Welcome to Whack or Slaps, where we look back into the annals of 2000s indie music to determine if an album, a band, or an entire musical movement was actually good, or just a product of the hype machine of its time. And like all great podcasts, this is the direct spinoff of an unhinged group text amongst friends that simply refuses to die. And I'm your host, Caleb, and I am joined by the um, unhappy climate pre pagoda boys <laughs> what the fuck is that <laughs> figure it out you'll figure it out hey i'm noah and i'm this is animal collective number three i got nothing <laughs> yeah we're tapped i'm adrian yeah, you're I'm also- the- <laughs> <laughs> i uh, yeah we're we're all out of ideas. Wait, Come Caleb, on. explain to us what the fuck you just said. <laughs> okay. Fuck you just said, little kid. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck you said. But uh okay, so think of this album of uh, the name of this album that we're covering today. So it's Merryweather Pavilion. Unhappy oh. climate pre <laughs> Jesus Christ. Pagoda. That's a Go- long fucking walk, my friend. Wait, a pagoda is the opposite of a pavilion? <laughs> See, I, I mixed up. I mixed up. No. <laughs> They're like cousins, if anything. Because I, I kind of mixed up like actual yeah. like opposites and just like synonyms. So <laughs> whatever. Fuck I don't know. Not my best work. I much like Animal Collective. I'm running out of ways to be goofy. Yeah. Keep, uh, keep things well, going. that's but, a good. That was a good segue, Caleb, in a way, because the album is, in fact, uh, bad climate pre pagoda. Uh, it's Merryweather post pavilion, and it's from 2009, and it's Animal Collective, and this is the third of our series of Animal Collective albums. Yeah, this is our final episode. This is our um, uh, Return of the not Return of the Jedi, Empire Strikes Back. Return of the Jedi. Goddamn it. Return of the Jedi. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, hopefully it's not our Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, yeah, or, that'd be but, funny. Uh, if or we, have a, um, we, have, we do the prequels later too. Or yeah. um, what was the last one? Return. I don't even fucking remember the name. That's how bad it was. Rise of the Skywalker. Rise of Sky. Oh god. Yeah. No, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna know like when to fold them. You know, we're just gonna leave it at these three. Just the original straight down the line trilogy of episodes. Oh, we're not doing centipede HZ or whatever. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. We got plenty of time on our hands, but our spreadsheet is yeah. growing by the day. All right. Well, let's get um, into it. Adrian, what did they give it this album over at Pitchfork? So over at Pitchfork, they gave it a 9.6. Which uh, to my memory is the highest of the three that we've done so far. I, I could be wrong on that, but yeah. I think it's either tied that or sounds the highest. High. Yeah. Was this the number one album on Pitchfork in 2009? Mm, that is a very good question. I do not know. I, I, if it's not number one, it's probably number two or three. I did read that this was, according to Metacritic.com, this was the highest rated album of that year, aggregated from all critic like sites and stuff. Yeah, that's, I've read that too. That's right. 
but they gave it a best new music. Uh, it was reviewed by Mark Richardson, our old friend, uh, who's oh, done all Marky. of these. The excerpt I pulled is kind of long, but I think it it helps sum up a lot of what uh, was going on at the time with the band and also kind of in the greater indie dumb, undie dumb. Um, but uh, that we're uh, done with that word. <laughs> How are we spelling dumb? D U M B. No, I'll leave that to the listener to fill in, but uh, here we go. Music obsessives talk a lot about originality, whether it's important or why having a new sound should or shouldn't matter. In recent years, some fantastic albums have turned a number of people off for being retreads, which has sparked some interesting discussions. This album, which finds Animal Collective completely owning their unique sound, feels like the crucial next step in the conversation. What they've constructed here is a new kind of electronic pop, one which is machine generated and revels in technology, but is also deeply human, never drawing too much attention to its digital nature. It's of the moment and feels new, but it's also striking in its immediacy and comes across as friendly and welcoming. Animal Collective have spent the decade following their own path, figuring out what their music is capable of, while also working to bring more listeners into their world. On Merriweather Post Pavilion, their commitment has paid off tremendously. So pretty glowing words there. But I think it it has kind of it sums up the, the arc that we've seen over these past three records. You know, I think that we've seen how they've grown, have they gotten more confident in their sound and themselves, and how now they're kind of this is sort of the end results of, you know, I would argue this is probably the pinnacle of them. Like they were like the last two records were building to this and on this one it kind of like yeah it exploded like you mentioned no it was the most critically acclaimed record of the year you know it was definitely it was number one on pitchfork too that year so there you go so somehow this and that dirty projectors album are better than uh only built for cuban links part two um i don't know Mm. how you square that but that's so that's out in the world. <laughs> I can't wait uh, for the Animal Collective verses with Dirty Projector. Oh my god, dude. <laughs> that's gonna oh, no. rip. That's gonna rip. Oh boy, indie verses. I I don't know if we can get Dirty Projectors. I'm sorry, they're bad. I, I are they they're like intentionally bad? Like I I don't I don't get dirty projectors. I'm sorry. I disagree. I think they're I think they have like three really great records and then the rest is all kind of middling but you know we're not here to talk about dirty projectors we're here to talk about America that'll happen at some point i'm sure we got oh yeah that's gonna and i and i am kind of with noah's uh thinking on that i'm i I find myself already exhausted (laughs) well there you go a little preview of speculatively uh, but hey who knows maybe i'll get swayed swayed the other way yeah those album covers uh, too clean it up guys those album covers stink (laughs) <laughs> all right speaking of an album that had an album cover let's get back to very well post pavilion yeah <laughs> nice segue um i've been working on them so the record was recorded in february of 2008 at sweet tea recording studio in oxford mississippi it was produced by ben h allen who had worked with gnarles barkley had done a bunch of stuff with bad boy records with puff daddy uh, I think I saw he worked with Christina Aguilera. So he, he'd he been around and had done some pretty big stuff. 
but he was actually chosen specifically because of his knowledge of low end sounds. Mm. So a lot of the bass stuff uh, that's going on on this record. And then as, he also had a really eclectic taste musically, which the band respected. So uh, I think they met over Skype a couple of times and then decided like, we, we like each other. So let's get to work. And um, so they hunkered down in sweet tea studios, which is like, I think one of the quotes from, from geologists was like, or maybe it was from uh, Ben H. Allen himself was like, it's a living room with a recording, like a recording console in the middle of it. So very warm, very inviting. The band specifically made it so that it was only them, the producer and the, the producer's assistant. They didn't want like too many other people involved. They wanted to keep it kind of close knit, which is I think how they work in general. Um, they like to mix it up, but they also like to kind of focus on whatever they're doing at the moment. Uh, it was mixed at Chase Park Transduction in Athens, Georgia in J June, July 2008. One of their southern album. Yeah, yeah. So one of the things I read Wait, is about. Is this their southern rock album? Uh, yes. I'm going to say yes. You can hear the like the Black Oak, Arkansas, like, uh, <laughs> you know, greasy well, they, vibes. They've picked 38 Oxford. special uh, guitar lines. Yeah. I also uh, heard it was like they picked Oxford because they didn't want to get recognized. So it's like, okay, yeah. guys, maybe you're. Uh, well, I don't know it's necessarily recognized. It's probably more like we didn't want to be like able to, you know, have friends drop in yeah. or whatever. So what they did was they just dressed as Mark Twain impersonators <laughs> and nobody noticed them. They just kind of floated around down there. I I Mark Twain was like from Connecticut or something. Well, his uh, on a riverboat in Mississippi. <laughs> I've heard um, that Oxford, they say it's like heaven surrounded by Mississippi. Oh, like <laughs> whoa. Take that. It's like it's like a little urban college uh, town island in the middle of a deeply reactionary place state. So not too dissimilar from Athens and yeah, yeah, other, yeah totally. Uh, other southern towns. So uh, well, as I was saying, one of the things that the, the band likes to do, uh, and I sure they still like to do it uh, even now is they'll switch up recording studios switch up who they're working with uh they'll you know the last two records were produced by the same dude uh but this one they switch it up to to this ben h allen character so i think they like to experiment with sounds i think they don't like to get too stuck in like one course one you know one lane i think they like to break it up so this is one example of that where they kind of broke it up from the where they recorded it versus where they mixed it the record itself was released by domino records on january 6 2009 it is their eighth studio album uh so pretty deep into their career i think at this point they've been together and performing together for about 10 years i think their first record came out in 2000 but this one actually has only three members band member deacon took some time off before this record um, he cited personal reasons uh, they were undisclosed so i don't know if that was health or, it was or avatars avatars singing <laughs> yeah, i had to get away <laughs> but as a result of deacon's absence the record was much more focused on kind of electronic elements since there he you know he's a guitar player mainly so uh, they focused more on sort of using samplers. And I think a lot of that was inspired by what Panda Bear had done uh, previously with uh, Person Pitch, which we talked a little bit about on the last episode. 
um, but heavily, heavily sample based. And so I think that's kind of um, the mode they were in around this time. Very and loopy. yes, a lot of loops, a lot of samples. And with like the other records, they demoed and, and kind of built these songs on the road. Uh, nine of the 11 tracks debuted on tour between 2007 and 2008. And I think that's sort of par for the course for them which is interesting. Most bands, you know, they write songs to record. This band writes songs to play live. And then the recordings are just kind of like, you know, a moment of time of whatever they're feeling. Uh, they're at this point, like a transatlantic bat band too. Like they all lived in different places and shit. So like their right. kind of creation process is you know, not your typical, just sitting in a rehearsal room, very like exchange based, you know, with like sending each other. Files yeah, or manipulating stuff like that, and exactly. I'm not sure if that was. I. I mean, I don't know how the they demoed it, but by the time they were writing in, I think they had all kind of congregated and, uh, mm. or at least you know, panda bear geologist and AV tear. But one of the things they wanted to do with this record was to give it a kind of a, a feeling of their live shows. So they did. They did a few unorthodox things. They wanted to record in the same, basically in the same room as the engineer so that they could capture like it all, the feeling of the room. Um, they set up their P PA system so that they could listen in and kind of have that live feel while they're recording. I think uh, the producer, he, um, uh, Alan, he said that he, basically what they did is they would record all of the sounds they wanted for that particular song direct and then once that was all captured and he had all that ready to go they would then play live and uh he would record that and then they would kind of all build it up and overdub and mix it together but unlike uh the previous record strawberry jam which was recorded live the band playing together and then overdubbed this one was kind of like everything was recorded separately so they had a lot of control over the sounds and i think you can really hear that on this record where a lot of things yeah. are tweaked and yeah, mixed and layered perfectly. Out. they're tweaking out on this album for sure i think in some ways this album kind of broke their brains a little bit because <laughs> i think going forward they're sort of confused where it's like okay so we're just doing the panda bear solo sound now we don't need the little kid yelpy kind of juvenile parts anymore and then when you look at their subsequent albums they're stuck between writing like these anthemic pop songs that have a almost like electronic dance vibe but then they're like well let's not stray too far away from like the Fuck campfire music and the yeah so it, it, everything they released after this seems uneven I completely agree. I think, I don't know if it was the critical acclaim, if it was like, you know, a backlash to that, or if it was like, I don't know, the fact that it was, this was their biggest record, but something definitely changed where they were, although I don't know, it's in line with how they've always operated in terms of like, we're always going to be evolving and doing different shit. Yeah. And it just maybe... focus. They have a focus on this album that I think their other ones lacked. Yeah, that's a great that's a great way to sum it up. I think this one was the one where they definitely polished it, and then after this, they're kind of like, "Let's keep it loose. Let's keep it." Yeah, kind of wild. but then it's like intentionally loose, where it's it sounds like mm. they're trying too hard. Yeah, but then they got bigger than they'd ever been too, so they yeah. always had. Well, to, they got better they at had writing to play to the the festival and the live show elements of it. Yeah, and, keep, and 
certain bangers in their back pocket. And they got better at riding those bangers, Caleb. They got better at writing like just a nice little tight song. That's still weird. So then I think they always struggled with that. Like how far do we make, how far do we push it in the weirdo zone? But I don't know. They almost should have just the weirdo like a, zone. Yeah, welcome to the weirdo zone. <laughs> um, that could be a good podcast, weirdo zone. I think it might go a little something like this. Oh yeah, made <laughs> mark. Are, are we gonna do some if and? Are we gonna do some if and stuff? Uh, that would be funny. It's like drive time, like uh, like radio from the '90s or whatever. But you just talk about like it's like, yeah, bro, you listen to that new Jandic album. I think it's like his like yeah, one hundred seventh album or something, brother. It fucking rips. That shit is weird. Yeah, man. Up that? next, we got some live Alan Vega. Stick around for that. Uh, Joe Meek, <laughs> that Joe Meek reissue, man. That is weird. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, boy. Um, but I have I have a couple of more little tidbits here before we can dive into the music. So the album cover itself, which I've always really, really liked, is an optical illusion known as illusory motion. If you've ever looked at it, you you know what this is talking about. It's based on the work of this Japanese psychologist Akiyoshi Kataoka. Sorry, Kataoka. Kataoka. I ter- uh, butcher, probably it. butchering that name. But anyways, this when you look at it, it has movement to, toward to it. Like I don't know, yeah. it's hard to explain. But it doesn't really translate if you're just looking at the little thumbnail photo of like online. You have to kind no. of see the record. Yeah, or look at like a really nice, high quality, big, like on a big screen. You kind of get the vibe. But yeah, I just thought I was having an acid flashback. <laughs> well, we've all been there, brother. <laughs> hey, um, whoa. The weirdos. <laughs> yeah, bro, I got uh, some tracers the other day off of this, this window pane that I've been holding on to <laughs> since like 1986, dude. It is some freaky deaky stuff. I got an acid flashback. So, you know what I did? I ran to my record player. I put on that fucking tortoise TNT album, and <laughs> there was my afternoon just flashing by. Nice. Another TNT reference. Um, <laughs> yeah, we got to get a we got to get a counter, like a little meter. All the... <laughs> Boop. That's uh, number 13 there. Um, but speaking of flashbacks, like the previous record, there was oh, songs nice. leaked from this record. Brother Sport actually leaked early. Uh, after its inclusion on a French podcast. Uh, and then a low-quality vinyl rip uh, was leaked on Christmas Day 2008, which I must admit I downloaded. I remember that happening. And what? I, what yeah. is this, Adrian? You said it leaked in 2009 on a French podcast? In 2008, we, yeah. It was we, hosted we. by Marc Meron. It was called <laughs> Cordon Bleu. It's called Zucre Bleu. Did you ever go to those? Did you ever go to those bringer shows at the 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 main room in the uh, in the comedy store? <laughs> that was my French. I don't know. I don't think I have it. Hey, <laughs> we're, you might need to workshop that a bit. Hey guys, we're new to this, so we're just we're just getting started with our segues, our if ands, our impression <laughs> work. It's yeah. all. It's all a learning process, so don't beat yourselves up. Yeah, we're slowly evolving this into a sketch show. We're so. like Animal Collective. We do it live, and then we kind of just chip away at it. <laughs> kind of figure it out. All right, Adrian, 
Go I mean, ahead. Let's, let's wrap this up. All right. Um, <laughs> the, the whole so, episode. Just let's come on. <laughs> As they so, say, put some wings on it. Like the like the previous record, it, this was released to critical acclaim. Although this one, I think, got probably more universally critical acclaim. It peaked at number thirteen on the Billboard 200, which I thought was like not shocking, but I was like number thirteen. That's yeah. pretty high. You know, Dude, like I know. Hit. That's a crossover hit. I felt yeah. bad for Deacon. I was like, "Woo, that's a lot of royalty." Yeah, could have got that bag, Deacon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wonder how that how that worked out for him. But you know, it was as you mentioned, it was the most critically acclaimed record of 2009, which is pretty wild because I feel like 2009 had a lot of bangers. As we mentioned a couple earlier, uh, you know, uh, or at least we mentioned Ghost uh, 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 Raekwon and Ghostface. Yeah. Uh, and this was also like the other records followed up by an, an EP, the fall be kind EP, uh, which I'm a huge fan of. Actually, I really love that EP and it, yeah. it features the first, uh, I'll let, hold on. I'll let you go. But this, it features the first officially licensed sample of a grateful dead recording. So, uh, fan or uh, podcast favorite grateful dead first officially wow. licensed. Sample. Sorry, go ahead. Noah. Fucking Jerry, That's, dude. I, can't I was going to say, still gone. Uh, I think I listened to that Fall Be Kind album more than I did this album or that EP more than. But now that you said the Grateful Dead thing, I don't know what, what the fuck I was thinking. <laughs> and what was the sample of Grateful Dead them like doing a bloodless cover of like Ain't That Peculiar or like, you know, <laughs> some sort of like actually very, very good. Yeah, it's Pigpin. Whole song. It's Pigpin singing like a temptation song. Yeah, it's like, yeah, mama. It's like, Papa would a rolling star. Oh, yeah. Whatever uh, he wears his hat. It's like, come on, people. Wherever he laid his hat, people. Come on, mama. <laughs> I, I forgive it to you. I think it's the hook that's actually sampled, like the what would I want sky part, but I'm not, I'm not certain on that. But I thought that was an interesting tidbit. And, and similarly, I listened to the, the shit out. I don't know if I listened to it more than uh, MPP, but definitely I listened to Fall Be Kind quite a bit. Nice. Uh, but yeah, that's 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 about it. I have another fact that I'll bring up in the kind of where are they at now retrospective, but cool. uh, that should cover the history. Yeah. And I, I just want to make a small mention. I know, you know, we're you know trying to keep this keep this train of rolling, but also you can't really just talk about this album without talking about the sort of su supportive scaffolding of the hype machine at the time. You know, I think this is also like peak animal collector It's also probably peak blog rock or whatever you want to call that new media to yeah. like Definitely the landscape had changed. And it was like, I don't know. It was just kind of building and building. And this was kind of its fever pitch. Of 2009. Like, I think Kev was like the payoff. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, that's, a, that's go. a good way to put it. You had yeah. you had five, ten years of hyping particular bands, and then all of a sudden uh, it's like Arcade Fire is fucking huge. Like they're a yeah, they're on band. You they're know? on SNL and Leno, yeah. and they're you know they're in yeah. car commercials. Yeah, sure. Animal Collective is huge. It's you know the music is everywhere. Like you could be walking down the street and somebody's playing this stuff out of their car and stuff. Yeah, or a coffee yeah, shop. It, or it whatever, even got yeah. to a point where you'd hear like you know squares or whatever be like they'd be like oh that guy's like an Animal Collective fan or like so so call somebody a. Arcade Fire fan and, and like popular like understanding kind of knew what that meant, but you're like, oh yeah, you're a certain people were like type getting, of 
hipster. Getting gains, getting gains at a fucking gym listening to my girls. <laughs> That's how like huge it was. And their pump on the fucking brother sport. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. So yeah, definitely like I mean Pitchfork being kind of the vanguard of all that, or maybe not. Maybe they just kind of capitalized the most on it. Yeah, I remember just like this and that's just the build up to this album was just huge. Like you knew like Animal Collective's cooking some gumbo down there on the south. It's gonna oh, be boy. real good. <laughs> I don't know. There's just a lot of uh, uh, well, a yeah, hype, I guess. That's the best word for it. Um, around Definitely. yeah, it was just like it's like ooh, and then when it happened, they had to like love it. You know, they're like we fucking put the work in with this band. This you know? was their we like plowed Ab- these fields. We sowed. This was their Abbey Road because they had kind of, in the way they had become big. You know, Panda Bear's solo on his own, big, and like they're living different places and it's like yeah how can they not fail like they they have like they know they play the studio like nobody else they know how to do it and then that is also kind of like their last thing that was like worth a shit yeah i i they've had songs and and certain you know tracks from di- the different records i think they've released three since this record has come out yeah, I think yeah. So. Some this was this was definitely a, a peak, if not the peak of of Animal Collective in the 2000s, I would say. Yeah, for sure. And I, yep. yeah, and like Caleb said, it's I think 2009, just because, you know, the last year of the decade, I think it is the peak of a lot of like the hype machine where the hype machine doesn't, didn't even became it's not even the hype machine anymore. It's just the machine. It's just like, yeah. that's what you do, even if you're released, fused. even if you're right if you're you know justin bieber or whatever you're you, you're gonna want to have a good review on pitchfork you know stuff well like that. exactly if we if we turn the clock back to 2009 and what was going on in the world in 2009 you know there's a lot of things that were you know at this point the iphone's becoming ubiquitous or at least smartphones are becoming ubiquitous yeah, yeah. everyone's you know streaming stuff you know it's the start of that era and I think this was kind of a. Um, I actually, I'm glad that you brought that up because I think this is kind of the, the fulcrum or or the this the changeover to to kind of the 2010s and sort of how things pit, pitchfork wise and and indie wise how things kind of you know played out in terms of like hype bands in terms of like you're saying no where like now pop stars need the pitchfork bump or whatever like there's at this point like the indie underground whatever you want to say is the overground like it's it's becoming the overground i mean at this point you're seeing beyonce and jay-z at fucking grizzly bear shows you know you're seeing the crossover of of things like that where was Um, that show do you don't remember that dude that was huge that was like yeah yeah Jay, I was right around this time. Jay Z, just like those kids, uh, this shit's boring. Give me the fuck out of here. (laughs) But I think this is kind of where thing the wall started to come down a bit, and the indie rock became less of a like of um, an ethos and a DIY thing, and more of a sound and a genre thing. Not that it wasn't that before, because it certainly was, but I think a lot of the old school kind of mentality started to switch around this time. And I think this, this, the sound of this record was very influential 
uh, and the and I think Animal Clips themselves are very influential on the next kind of decade of yeah. music. In yeah, terms of weirdos and, and, the, and electronic music. And the means of distribution kind of consolidated, evened out. You know, before like indie literally met is like you had a whole network of certain studios. You had all these touring connections you had you know you were on certain labels certain publications and it was all held yeah. up by that but by 2009 mm -hmm. everything was like wave files and mp3s yeah. and everything and then it was all in one place could release it that way is all in one place so on like, your phone yeah well we're talking yeah. post in rainbows posts like yeah. you know oh, yeah. internet basically just taking over yeah i mean this, also, is, this is really it here. so For then me, indie or whatever just became to mean something that's slightly left of center creatively like a, we a little weird a little artsy and maybe like more referential to and it, you know and it became uh like different things yeah and it became i think in a lot of ways it's a good thing where for fans of music it became kind of obsolete to like identify yourself as like i'm a i'm into indie rock and people mm -hmm. are like who cares like I like music. I like, why do you, yeah. gotta, why do you gotta identify yourself by your musical taste? You know, just like, who, like you're listening to the Ray Kwan album and you're listening to this album in the same day. It's like, you know, it's all. Well, I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that a lot of this become, became more democratized. Whereas in the past it was something that like, you know, nerds like you like us you know would be digging or reading you know back issues of old magazines or whatever to find these things and now it's like everyone has access to this everyone's listening to the same things everyone has is able to go to pitchfork or whatever blogs they like you know this is this is really the start of all of the of basically everything just becoming content and like yeah that's true that's why you, you know, had to hold on so tightly to your tiny mixtapes and stuff like that, <laughs> where it's like, at least this is still kind of a fucking out there. has a spirit of the a little, old, uh, yeah. yeah, like a spirit to it. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, I saw one other. So go ahead, Caleb. Sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say shout out to 2009 in general. It's the year that gave us our first uh, Kenyan president. Um, <laughs> it took, uh, whoa, whoa, Michael, whoa, whoa. it took it, Michael Jackson away from us. Uh, <laughs> Save that for the uh, our it other turns out maybe that Michael Jackson thing was might have been a good thing. I don't know. <laughs> I was um, there, man. I was at Neverland. Never forget. Listeners, <laughs> that is a 110% true story. That's a different podcast. That is a That's, totally different podcast. Yeah, we're gonna start a true crime podcast based on Noah's experiences at yeah. the uh, all the, the true Ranch. crimes that him and some other people Dude, we know did at Neverland Ranch. We got to start using this at marketing. Two thirds of the hosts of this podcast have been to Neverland Ranch. All right. <laughs> Can you say that for yourself? How did this get made? I don't think so. That's true. Shout out. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, I also weird. once was uh, petrified by Michael Jackson at a Toys R Us. Uh, that's a true story. You saw him? Uh, well, let, I'll, I'll tell it quickly. So basically, when um, this is at the height of Michael Jackson in like probably like 92, 91. He's like the most famous person in the world. And uh, Neverland Ranch is close to where we grew up uh, in Santa Barbara County. And he would often go to the Toys R Us in our hometown oh, to buy yes. to buy to toys. And, you know, he would donate them and stuff. And I think, you know, he obviously he loved video games and toys himself. So he I'm sure he that was bait. 
<laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. I was going to the But anyways, <laughs> anyways, um, one day I have me and my mom happened to be there and he was there and you know, we didn't know what was going on until we heard, saw this big commotion, this big crowd kind of gathering around him. And for whatever reason, I instinctively was like, we have to get out of here. I, I need to leave. I can't handle this. I don't want to <laughs> oh, see you him. Knew. I knew. Um, so, yeah, that's my that's my brush with uh, Michael Jackson. And my mom like still to this day is like so like I feel so stupid. We should have just gone up and gotten an autograph like he was giving them out. People were you know, he was he was really happy to be around people. And it's like, yeah, yeah. But I whatever reason, I was like unnerved as a fucking you know five-year-old yeah. that's better than me adrian because all those all those days i spent on neverland ran i never saw the man not once huh not one fucking i think once. it's never got to meet him either <laughs> wild all right uh, well speaking of oh, but history one, oh, one last ahead, thing before we get into uh into our wax and slaps is um i think that this the sound of this record was very influential on on what came immediately afterwards, which was kind of the chill wave, mm, uh, for, in sure, indie. for sure, and then in vapor in wave, yes, exactly. Which new, was new wave, new later. no wave. I think yes also wave. It was a uh, <laughs> it was a reflection of what was going on in hip hop, which, if you remember at the time, was a lot of that like spacey cough syrup kind of murky yeah. production stuff. Yeah, there's so, a like some dj mustard like metro booming stuff on yeah. this album a little bit exactly so i think a lot of that stuff was in the zeitgeist of like what what this record sounds like and i think they it would go on to influence a lot of um younger artists in the in the coming years for sure yeah i think like nerdy white kids who would otherwise be in like bands that sound like whatever pavement pavement or whatever <laughs> like finding out about dj screw like it's <laughs> It's either way you th- I don't know. You can look at it two different ways. It's like that's a, that's a blessing, or that's you know kind of put us in this uh, weird landscape that you maybe aren't aren't so stoked about. So I don't know. Yeah. Well, thanks, Adrian. What's next, Caleb? Well, let us dive into the part of the show where we uh, talk about our personal histories with um, this album. You know what? What were you up to? Two thousand. Where were you in ninety two? <laughs> but uh 2009 uh when this album came out i can go, go um it. yeah no i'm just gonna fucking do it i have written here n slash a which stands for non-applicable because i have no memory of this album i knew it come out it came out i knew it was huge everyone was like stoked for it it like hit the scene and fucking i don't know it just got really well received I never listened to it though. I was like, I had listened to Strawberry Jam, and I was just kind of off of the the weirdo wood shit for a little bit. You know, I was getting way back into metal and drone and you know other things like that. And um, I didn't really have a need for you know plucky kind of coy indie rock. So uh, I had stepped away from that. Was doing a, a lot of other stuff. But speaking of two thousand nine. We'll have to do a show on it, but I have been able to pull up my playlist from my college radio show. Uh, shout, nice. shout out Kara, uh, KRFH, and then our friend of the show, guest of the show, Nat. You can also find his list because he did it with us as well. So um, that is out there in the world, and we will dredge that up. But you could kind of track where like things were headed for me. 
so i yeah i just like this album yeah never hit it i probably had heard um like singles off of it or just like i don't know if they're sounds like they would be in commercials or just maybe played at parties or whatever but um yeah it just i just never like picked it up and sat down with it or downloaded it i probably i was downloading albums at that time um that's my primary sourcing of them so um yeah it was a transitional period for me and this album just is a complete uh blind spot so um yeah i'll uh, keep that brief then because i got i got really nothing else to say yeah, I'll go next because Kev, very similar to you. I it was weird because I was super into feels was the main one for me, and then I still really liked Strawberry Jam and I listened to it a ton. But by two thousand nine, we were talking earlier about just kind of like the peak internet hype, and there was just so many new bands that I kind of like retreated from new music in a way, other than like hip hop, I would say. Mm-hmm. but th- so the 2009 was like the last year that i was listening to like newer bands and then that started my i started collecting records a lot around there it just started my more digging into the past of music um in 2009 i was trying to think of like what i was listening to oh that's what i remembered i had just read that griel marcus book what's it called slow train coming or something um, or last train midnight I train think, uh is it mystery train mystery train yeah there you go the elvis song yeah. so at the time oh it's like the jim jarmusch movie yeah same same things named which after i same, same recently song. rewatched uh still oh, a masterpiece yeah still holds up carl perkins it's, uh uh yeah what joe strummer's in it right uh yeah yes he is he gets killed by rockets red glare dude spoiler alert (laughs) (laughs) it's a great triptych uh great triptych movie yeah totally Uh, um so anyways that book chronicles like elvis sly and the family stone the band uh some guy named like harmonica jim or something a couple (laughs) another i think another act i can't remember what it was but I was kind of deeply into that book. So I was listening to a lot of Elvis. So it was just hard once you get down to the, like the bare bones of Elvis. Were you an like, Elvis guy? For a, like a year there. Just like the early, like the first. Yeah, like no, that's good. The Sun recordings, I guess. Well, because, you know, you're either a Elvis guy or a Beatles guy. No, you're a Carl Perkins guy. If Mystery Train thought us, taught us anything. <laughs> yeah. That's the whole concept. Where I'm from, you're either a Johnny Cash guy or you're a fucking beep um, <laughs> i'm a i'm an eddie cochering guy myself uh, uh nice eddie cochering cochering yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's another thing 2009 my i had a cochering accident whoa hey so i spent a lot of time in the hospital, hospital. <laughs> and elvis was just soothing to me yeah. <laughs> like those blue suede cochering <laughs> but oh, so man. i was kind of going back to like more elemental stuff rock and roll what have you funk a lot of funk for the sly part so yeah this was kind of 2009 i was like kind of cut myself off from newer music so i only listened to this album once and i remember hearing those leaks the brother sport mm-hmm. and i also think i lying in a coma lying in a coma is the only song that like stood out for me uh, in 2009 where i was like that's a cool song 
And um, yeah, so I'd listened to it once and I never have revisited it all these years. I, I found it at in 2009, kind of like square, like the, my girls, the fact that that song blew up, it kind of like, I don't know. I was like, what? He's just talking about like being a homeowner. It's like <laughs> Adobe slats or something. What is Slabs. he saying? They're all over uh, Lisbon. Yeah. But it's like, what is he? Bob Vila over here. Fucking <laughs> building a tiny home in Lisbon or something. And I was like, I don't know. I was like, kind of was like, okay, they're just sort of tame now. And they're just sort of fitting into that festival circuit, almost like, Skrillex is probably opening for them now or something, you know? It's like, it's oh, like, burn. Yeah. It was like, it's like, this is for kids, even though they sounded less little, like less. Yeah. Child. They're much more mature on this. Yeah. Song. But for whatever reason, they jettisoned some of the child stuff, especially Abby Terra with his singing is, and it's more melodic and stuff. But I, for some reason, I was like, ah, oh, this is like kids' music now. It's like for a younger generation. I don't know. I just didn't grow with them after in 2009 so yeah that's i listened to it once that's about it and i was uh working out at neverland ranch so sue me okay i, I saw nothing <laughs> and just to disclose to our listeners i don't think he owned it at the time at a point when i was working out there as well No, but i was there the day he died yeah trump a, a friend of trump owned it actually yeah <sighs> I saw Rob Lowe there once. He had no joke. Uh, is he litigious, man? He definitely has a podcast now, so he might be. Uh, okay, he, so he's one of us. He's, uh, he's a rival. He's, he's, yeah, I don't look at these people as my friends. He's a contemporary. <laughs> um, he, yes. uh, he's a married man, but he showed up in a fucking Corvette with two women. So that's all I'll well, say. He's still been Rob his, Lowe. Might have been his daughter and his wife. I don't know. It definitely could have been two daughters. That's what else. Oh boy. <laughs> Somebody's daughters. Somebody's Somebody's, daughters. yeah. <laughs> but anyways, go ahead, Adrian. Yeah, that's interesting to hear how you guys have um this was sort of the one where you got off the path of Animal Collective because it was similar for me in terms of like obsession with this band or like it wasn't really obsession but i would say that around this time they were one of my favorite artists and after this i kind of i still tuned in but it was not quite the same and as i mentioned i i got this record a little early i i downloaded the leak and yes it was very low quality but the songs still shone through and i was like this sounds great this when this drops i think it's going to be really good and then it did, and I it became kind of a, a con consistent uh, car listen, consistent work listen uh, for those kind of middle college years for me where I was super busy. I think I mentioned in the last podcast that I was taking a lot of classes and working two jobs, and that continued to hear. And so this one, this record accompanied me to a lot of, was a this your last those. year in Santa Maria? No, that came a little bit later, a couple oh, of years okay. later. But this is this is this record came out post me coming back to Santa Maria, actually, after a little bit of a sojourn. Oh, to I forgot about that. <clears throat> Long Beach. The LBC. Yeah, your LBC, LBC years. Wow. Hey, speaking of yeah. which, the new Snoop Dogg is fire. We listened to it yesterday. Yes, it's really good. It's a good Adrian. backyard album. Good backyard Sunny Day album. 
Nice. So yeah, this record, uh, it it was it was a center console disc for me. You know, I listened to it on my way to to college. Uh, stuff like you know, it, it was it was a it was a consistent thing. It was it's similar to the last record. It was one of those ones where. I would put it on and it was, you know, I had a rotation of 10, 15 records at this time where I would put this on next to like, I don't know what was going on at the time, probably the Panda Bear record, Wilco and some other stuff. But yeah, it was always there. It was always some, it was something I, I listened to intensely. And then I kind of just stopped, you know, you know, probably a couple of years after the record was released, probably around 2011. I was just like, I can't, I've listened to this to death. I, I've, I cannot ring anymore from this. <clears throat> and one of the things I actually wanted to talk about in, in, with this record is I think this was the start of, for at least me personally, um, and you, you guys kind of kind of touched on this a little bit, you know, um, this was the start of where like things just exploded and there was just way too many new bands, way too yeah, many new albums, way too much new content to keep up. Um, P- I mean, he was right around the corner. You had to fucking deal with that. Yeah. 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 So there was yep. just a lot of stuff out there. And I think I still was really tapped into indie rock for the next couple of years after this, but this was the beginning of where, yeah, I'm kind of tuning out. I'm kind of starting to, to get into older stuff, get into other stuff that maybe I hadn't explored before, you know, and maybe my, my, you know, kind of hunger for new, indie rock or whatever kind of waned after this and i think this this record is emblematic of that kind of last phase of listening where a album would stick for a couple of years or whatever you know by by 2013 i think you know most of the records are new records i was listening to i'd listened to for like a month and then you know yeah. i haven't listened to since or whatever exactly did you find yeah. that both you guys kind of like the choice to you know pursue older music was kind of out of exhaustion or um just like or yeah like maybe a retreat from just the uh, barrage I I, of new stuff that was coming out because i find like every other year i get into like older stuff and then the subsequent year i'm more like oh caught up on current stuff i'll listen to kind of like whatever yeah. label yeah, or new leaning. genre i want to get into yeah. i was always leaning I, feel toward... like I flip-flop a lot yeah i get you at that flip-flopping between bouts of buying new music and older music but i think i was always kind of trying to listen to all the kind of canonical albums like not even like digging deep into old like i gotta listen to these off the beaten path records there's more just like i gotta listen to every prince record because he's prince stuff like that you know like i was like uh again like the library was always a resource for me and they they only had shout out yeah, Santa Maria Library. They only had old music. So it's kind of just like checking out like five CDs every week for like 10 years. You're just going to gravitate towards older stuff. And I think sometimes I was listening to new music and then I would hear about their influences, which took me to older music. So I just mm-hmm. kind of cut out the middleman, where it's like, I'll just mm-hmm. go to the old stuff that I know that I know these younger bands, newer bands are referencing anyways. So that's kind of how I felt about it at the time. Yeah. So Adrian, so like when you did get around to like listening to it or, you know, what, um, yeah, you said you loved it, right? It was. 
Yeah, it was kind of immediately. I did you I, see it as like a as a classic, as like a Stone Cold classic <clears throat> at the time, or did it? Did you feel? Like yeah, it definitely. Broke some and it definitely, it definitely felt like the. I don't know what the right word is. The consummation of of like everything they were building up to this point, because um, you know, as I mentioned in the last episode, I I, I had really listened to Strawberry Jam quite a bit, and so to the, for this to come out and like you know, I I get what you're saying, Noah, about like you know my girls blowing up and and kind of them achieving a new strata of fame or or notoriety or whatever you want to call it, but I think this is just it's such a polished record. It's such a uh, almost I I won't say pure pop obviously because they're such a weirdo band but it is their you know quote unquote pure pop record where it's just ple- it's just pleasurable it hits a lot of buttons and you know at, at that time like I was very open to, to to being manipulated by you know by this kind of music so it was yeah I I was I it was something that I played to death. And and then I put away, and I I didn't really listen to you until now. Nice, very cool. Yeah, oh uh, yeah, that's fun, you know, because it's like part of the the podcast that I've enjoyed a lot um, is getting to listen to stuff I never listened to. You know, a lot of stuff I have yeah. like at least a passing familiarity with, to but actually go into an album, kind of just completely naive about it. You know, um, that was cool cool experience but um yeah we could talk more about uh our experiences with this album now that we've listened to it um after the break so stick around for our current reactions yeah yeah so it's like i was saying uh during the break uh me and the uh the partner the wife we're gonna be uh, moving into a bigger place so uh finally get like a studio studio so have to, You're gonna put the milk crates on the wall. Get the do the whole thing. Yeah, I'm gonna have my little like kegerator in there. I'm gonna have like some like a. You're gonna have fan some, art. Like, neon lights. Anybody who has uh, who has fan art to send us, please do. Just just um, draw what you think Caleb looks like. Yeah. Yeah. Peaceful nudes. Yeah, we want to get that Mark Maron fan art. Wait, Caleb, <laughs> do you think there's a deviant Mark Maron fan art out there? He's like uh, fucking Andy Kindler. <laughs> That's a weird question. Let Good me. Lord. Him and Andy Andy Kindler and Mark Maron are doubled up on Lauren Kilmartin or something. Okay. <laughs> Lori Kilmartin. Oh <laughs> Isn't boy! She I'm definitely gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go incognito <laughs> for this Google. <laughs> yes, uh, Lauren Kilmartin is a com- comedian. Um, he shows up on DeviantArt, but it's not very deviant. Uh, it's just yeah. your standard fan art. It's like I can't mm. even get fucked into fucking fan art. There's <laughs> like uh, there's like one of him smoking a cigarette, which is weird because he doesn't smoke. Um, he had that one. Well, famously, cig. famously, yeah. Oh yeah, he had the one cig with uh, Keith Richards. I mean, you kind of I you have to with Keith. I mean, that was I, the I would cig do. heard around the world. <laughs> Yep, there's a really weird one. <laughs> I'll put it in the chat. Um, I gotta see this. Where, um, what's the <laughs> same Mark Marin? <laughs> he is racialized differently than he. Oh identifies. no! <laughs> no, no, not God. in like a. Is it like a 4chan like? Pedro the Frog anti-Semitic <laughs> thing. <laughs> oh, I'm not getting this picture. Yikes. Why can't I paste this? 
man. It's too, it's too obscene. It's too obscene. <laughs> okay, we're gonna get flagged. Oh God! Link. All right, click that link. Page not found. Click the second link. <laughs> this question at this uh oh, this is great for a podcast but it answers the question what if mark Marin wasn't a jewish dude from uh new mexico but was like asian american aapi of some sort um oh boy somewhere. yeah this is very weird choice very, I don't know if it's strange. intentional at all, though. That's what we'll I'm put saying. the link. We'll put the link on our Twitter or on our yeah. Instagram. Caleb, Instagram that right now. <laughs> all right, let's go. And tag like, tag Marin on it's it. It's like our number one fan and colleague. <laughs> the best thing about this is that all of the other art is SpongeBob, <laughs> SpongeBob fan art, and then the Marin. Yeah. Yeah, DeviantArt's great. Uh, I can't believe people spend time doing that. All right. Well, let's get back well, we to got, it. We got our NFT idea. Yeah, <laughs> there, we yeah. there we go. Yeah. We're gonna make a killing. Did that uh that the album the Animal Collective album that we're reviewing, the um that album cover, did that count as an NFT because it like moved? Isn't that what no, an NFT I'm, has to do? It's got I'm surprised if they something. haven't uh they haven't released one yet. Although there's they may a, be on the other side of it. There was an article today on how musicians are cashing in on the NFT craze on um, Pitchfork yeah. today. Yeah. Well, uh, some like, are pro and some cares? are anti. Kings of Leon are releasing a whole album as an NFT, right? Yeah. Um, some of them, some, you but, know, but people brought Caleb, that things. under uh, 2008 called. And uh, no, but Caleb, you misread that. NFT in that case with Kingsley, it stands. It stood for no fucking thanks. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Yep, uh, I could really use somebody turning this music off. You're somebody. I don't know. That's a low Take that. Finger. Whatever those brothers' yeah, names Caleb, are. Caleb, dude. Fucking. Uh, you gotta shame dope, my name. Right? Shame the name. Your bullshit. I'm, I'm shocked. It's like brothers and cousins, and, right? And brothers. There's too. a fake brother. One of them's a cousin. I am shocked that there's not a Noah and a Caleb in that, in that preacher kids. Oh, I'm sure like the extended band keyboardist is a Noah. Come <laughs> yeah. on now. Yeah, they probably had like 50 members at this point too. All nice. right, what are we doing? Well, thank Caleb? God that band was never good enough to get a good rating on Pitchfork, so we don't have to. Yeah, so let's talk about what we are feeling about this album now. You go, Caleb. Let's just do the same. All right, there you go. Fuck yeah. Um, yeah, I, like I said, I was basically listening to it as, you know, complete virgin, um, ear virgin. And um, I put it on. I felt it. Uh, I listened to it a few times. You know, I really tried to, like, get into it because my understanding of it was that it was kind of a a denser album. And it was very, like, um, like a lot more higher end, a little more high concept. Not like a concept album, but... Um, I don't know. It was like way more of a statement is what, what like the hype around it was saying. So I was like kind of pacing myself, getting ready for that experience. And um, yeah, I put it on and I found it was like a more controlled and kind of more orchestral, more layered and popular version of a strawberry jam. I was relieved to hear that Avatar, they told him 
NFT on those vocals. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so yeah, so it, had, so it had like a popular, more sing-songy quality and that like that kind of Brian Wilson-y loopy stuff that um, Panda Bear does. And I really liked Person Pitch when it came out. It probably still holds up, honestly. And I'm sure we'll get to it with its own. It does. I, I put, I give it a spin every like biannually, I would say. Yeah, when that album came out, I was like, I fucking loved it. I was working at like a summer camp in Santa Barbara. And, Let's save that for um, the uh, for the episode, uh, that's Yeah, true. totally. That's but true. I I thought it had a, like a nice, chill, summery, aquatic vibe, and I feel like yeah. this they carried a lot of that over, and the kind of Panda Bear assumes more of a role, and he almost seems like he's the band leader on this album and the one before that that was more kind of delegated to um to Abby Terror. So um. I liked it for that, those reasons. It had more of that, uh, yeah, person pitch vibe. And, um, but I definitely had problems with it. I, I feel like there's, there's times where they kind of lean into the dancier, not quite EDM, but like kind of the dancier, popular, uh, elements. And they, they kind of fake the stink a little bit, you know, and they get like a little too in their own groove or whatever, you know, they think of it as groove and it gets a little, uh, I wrote down here white boy summer vibes like they're having their own like little white boy summer they're just jamming out doing the festival circuit shout out chet hayes yeah yeah, yeah. just <laughs> chilling um listener friend of the show <laughs> um yeah so i don't know big has, fan like, of your vibe bro <laughs> keep it up um yeah so um for that reason i didn't dig it as much um, as I thought I would, I thought I was going to be like, okay, they're good. They redeem themselves from feels. And then like we said last week, I like strawberry jam overall. Um, you know, it's not without its problems, but I remain kind of nonplussed on this one. Um, it's like Noah was hinting at earlier it is kind of basic in a way, you know, there is like, you, they're definitely leaning into just being a capital P pop band and um so yeah it's a you know it's it's scratching that itch and that and they're following that interest and um i think that's cool on them you know and they're they totally are capable of doing that i just don't know if it translates to something that i find interesting you know i'm not a big uh i don't, I don't listen to a lot of electronic pop music you know more at least um you know contemporary stuff and um You're not yeah mgmt <laughs> No, not really. That, that might still hold up, though. Isn't that how hey, that song Noah, goes? can you turn that Oh, I'm sure down? we'll can get you to turn that. Turn the record off, oh, please. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that was amazing. Um, yeah, and I also the other thing that I kept noticing about it because they utilize Panda Bear as more like the lead vocalist, and um, a lot of his more his input, at least on that component of the band um so his lyrics are a lot more decipherable than like the weird scrammy avi tear shit which i'm can't say i'm a fan of uh but you do hear the lyrics more and i don't really get their lyric approach like if you would think for a band that was like kind of this mysterious like jewel box of a band you know and they're all artsy and they have a lot going on and you think their lyrics would be a little bit more out there more psychedelic or something but they just kind of a I don't know. They lean into the baser elements of it and they just, um, I don't know. It's a little too straightforward or 
I don't know, something about the the lyrics and just kind of the overall jaunty, kind of twinkly vibe of it. Frankly, the twinky vibe. Um, <laughs> just didn't, I don't know, didn't really do it for me too much. Um, but there was stuff I definitely liked about it. I mean, I'll get in that, what I find are like my slappers. I, th- I think there's some good, like, I, which is weird is, and this keeps happening to me because, I don't know, maybe it's just I listen to music differently. I find their interstitials or, or what people would call interstitials are a little bit more interesting. Like they're more spaced out kind of, um, you know, dronier kind of loopier stuff that comes up on this album. It's just the way that stuff sequenced um, pretty much redeems it. And I think it's good counterbalances to the more kind of forceful anthemic um, songs that they got going on. So um, yeah, I mean, overall it was, it was, I was glad I was able to uh, to finally explore it and experience it um, for the first time. And I could see why it got absolutely huge. They were kind of firing off on a bunch of different cylinders and really, um, yeah, really kind of uh, swinging for the fences. And um, yeah, I think in that regard, they did really well. Well done, Animal Collective. Um, but just not for me as it remains. And that's kind of been the uh, the arc of my animal collective experience through these last uh three episodes um this three episode series and um yes yeah, so thanks a lot pitchfork you really hyped this album and then ultimately uh, nft here we are. nft i wouldn't say nft it's more just like nty yeah it's like cool i give it like a if you're like co-worker invite you to his like band's show give him a like that kind of <laughs> lukewarmness of reception of like oh yeah i'll probably go to that ng ngbb nice guys bad band yeah yeah pretty much <laughs> interesting guys bad band yeah yeah let's just we'll just leave it at that we'll get out to the rating and our my slappers uh, later but um right. who went who's next in the cypher who am i passing this to i think it's me Nilla. Yep. yeah mm-hmm. um i yeah i thought this album is is funny I actually, when we did Strawberry Jam, I I did a back-to-back listen of Strawberry Jam, and then I played it into this album. And I thought it kind of blew, this album kind of blew, blows Strawberry Jam away in a way, because I think sonically, it's just more rich. Like, I think the production is really good on this album. Yeah. I think it all flows song to song, and a lot of the songs bleed into the next. They all kind of connect up. There's less detours. Like yeah. There's less like, here's a Panda Bear song. Here's an Abby Tear song. Here's a, you know, there's less mm-hmm. of that back and forth. It's less of a conversation, more of just like a statement. And um, I think uh, it's catchy as hell. Like, I think it's the first time there's flashes here and there on all of Animal Collective stuff of writing a really melodic weirdo pop song but for me it's like the first time where avi tears vocals really lend itself to like a well-written and sung pop song that actually this album has a a, a, a like two or three legitimate kind of earworms where you get the melodies stuck in your head mm-hmm. which in previous records it's not really you'll get like mm-hmm. you'll want to like do like a abby tear voice like his like screamy you know you'll get that stuck in your head but you're not like not the actual like hooks of the song really get into you like i can't sing like 
the fireworks song like off the top of my head without hearing it for a long time. It gets stuck in my head because it just reminds me of when my cats fight each other. Oh, so I'm just kind of like, Ugh, are they okay? <laughs> what are they going at? Cat it? fight. Cat fight. Wow. Kramer. Yeah. Kramer. Um, but great no, guy. I just think great guy in real life. This is a more focused album. I like the beats of it. I like the dub elements. There's a real, oh yeah, yeah, reggae kind of dub vibe. Like Lee Scratch Perry probably should have produced this album. They should have gone <laughs> down to Jamaica, Rolling Stone style, baby, uh, Talking Head style. Yeah, and I think, or was it Happy Monday style? Um, All of them, I think. But yeah, so Belly. I. Uh, the movie Belly. They got a Jamaican <laughs> R.I.P. Um, Shout true. out. Roll Simmons. But so, yeah, I thought this, this was a much more kind of richer sound than the other stuff. And I think it's aged the best. I think it's the best of the three that we've done, probably by far, which was weird because I was like such a feels guy. But now I think they're so far afield from that on this album. Um, and I like all the textures. Yeah, I think it was solid, and I was surprised. And I listened to it a few times on my headphones, and I think it's an album. Uh, I don't know if I'll be listening to it again a lot, but certain there's like the slappers that I have on this album are a few songs that I think hold up and that I'll listen to, and it's it's very catchy. Which I was I was surprised how they were able to still sound experimental but how they just totally left all that folky stuff behind the freak folk stuff. And they actually made like hooky kind of danceable pop songs, which I was surprised. Um, yeah. So yeah, I had a pretty good experience listening to this. Nice. Adrian. Yeah. So vibes, this one's positive vibes only positive vibes. Um, so this one was interesting because for me, I found that it was hard to actually sit down and listen to this record. I don't know if it's because we've been so, you know, animal collective focused the past few weeks, basically the past month. We've um, broken the true believer. He's like, Fuck this <laughs> <Maybe> shit. <laughs> I'm out Fuck. on indie rock. It's happening at but lucky shit. number third episode thirteen. Give me Raekwon. <laughs> Give me the purple Thresse tape number album. two. Yeah. Oh boy. Um, but yeah, so it, it wasn't so much that I didn't want to listen to it because I definitely wanted to listen to it, obviously, but it was just hard to sit down. But but I found that once I did put it on, once I did sit down and listen to it, that all of that, all of those, all of the things that made it pleasurable to listen to back then came flooding back. So oh, it hit God. all of those. Oh, yeah. Oh, we lost <laughs> you there for a little bit, buddy. Yeah. So the true believer is still a uh, true believer, but it still believes truly. So, yeah, I, I would say that that, you know, whatever receptors in your brain work on, you know, melodies and sugary pop music. I think this album hits all of that stuff for me in terms of the stuff that I like and stuff that that gets me going. I, I It's interesting because, like, as I mentioned, I hadn't listened to this record in, in years like the other ones. They've, they'd popped up here and there and certainly a couple of songs would pop up, you know, my girls or whatever would come up on a Spotify radio. But uh, I, I just, it, 
you know, it wasn't until now the past couple of weeks where I really sat down and listened to this and, and all that shit came flooding back. So all, all of the, the stuff that I was like obsessed with back in 2009, 2010, 2011, you know, came flooding back and it was, it made this a really, really fun listen. Um, I agree with what a lot of what you were saying, Noah, in terms of like, uh, this is, this is certainly a much more put together record than strawberry jam. I think there's still some wooliness on strawberry jam, which I appreciate. And I love about that record. But by this point, I think they kind of knew what they were going for. Kind of knew that this is, they had this target of like a pop album, an art pop album. And I think they hit it perfectly in terms of like all of the things they were building towards in terms of their sound, all of the things in terms of technology they were using in terms of things they were experimenting with. I think this is where everything coalesced to become like the album, the pop album, the definitive, you know, if you want to say definitive, I I don't think for me, nothing is ever definitive, but if you want to say like the, the album from animal collective, that was the biggest, their best, you could make an argument for this being that album. You could yeah. say that this is the this is the peak. This is the pinnacle of them does as it a does, band. But does it define their sound, Adrian? No, that's in a way. I don't think it does. Right. That's the interesting thing because it's not. It's 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 an evolved version of their sound. I you know you could say uh, probably Strawberry Jam maybe closer to what as an overall band their sound is. That might be closer. Or, or something like Sung Tongs is closer to like the true core of what they are. But this record, I think, hit at what they were at what they set out to achieve, you know, which is mm. experimental pop music that, as you said, Noah, earworms, you know, up the, you know, there, there's so many earworms on this record uh, comparatively to their you know let's just even just say the the prior canon of their records the prior seven records there's probably more core pleasant pleasurable earwormy stuff on this record than combined all of the other records and i think yeah. that's probably why this record blew up it's probably why i identified with it so much back then and it's probably why now when i return to it it's still a very fun a very pleasurable listen to me, there's very little fat to it. There's certainly there's there's areas where you could probably trim, but I think that overall, this is like the distillation of what they're attempting to achieve, which is striking a balance between the experimental and the pop. And we t- they touched on it on Strawberry Jam, and certainly there are a couple of songs on there that are probably could be definitive Animal Collective songs, but as an overall animal collective record that is the best i think this is probably it and i don't know if i would have said that again i I, you know i don't know if i would have said that 10 years ago when this came out or 12 whatever 12 13 years ago whenever when it was you know dropping so listening to it now i think one of the things that that definitely comes to the forefront is just the production i think i appreciate the production when I was younger and I, I loved, you know, the sound of it, but it, when I was in my memory, listening to it, then it was of a piece. And now I can listen to it kind of and dissect it a bit and kind of listen to the layering of it. And especially on like good headphones, you can really hear 
the crispness of every bit of it. Like the fact that they recorded every element separately gave them so much control. And you can totally tell when you listen to this, you know, in headphones. I mean, you can tell when you listen to it on speakers or whatever, or, or when you see them live, but when you really dive into it, like there's so many things going on. The layering of the vocals was one thing that stood out on this listen, which I really, really love. You know, you've got, you guys mentioned both, you know, Caleb and, and oh, you guys mentioned that uh, AV Terra's vocals were paired back a bit. Yeah, and no screaming at all. Really. Not, yeah, no, no yelps, no screaming. And I think that helps a lot to feel it, to make it feel more cohesive. Because, uh, you know, before, yeah, it definitely felt like, oh, here's the uh, AV Terror heavy song. Here's the He's Panda Bear heavy song. His pants. Yeah, someone needs a juice box. You know what? Uh, I think his fiber diet, whatever that gumbo he was eating down in uh, <laughs> Mississippi, it cleared out his, uh, you know, cleared all the caca. And his voice sounds a little clearer. It sounds a little better. I mean, I'm not, I don't disagree with you. I think, it, I don't know if it sounds better. I think he, he became, I think on Strawberry Jam, he, he found more control for his voice. And here he's fully in control of his voice. He's fully in control of what he's doing. And I think that they specifically, I don't, well, I don't know if maybe, because like I, I don't, in my background research, I didn't find anything to, to suggest this, but I think they probably worked on how they could, bring their vocals closer together and make it more of a cohesive piece because it definitely feels like they're balanced with each other. Whereas before they played off each other and it worked, but now it's really like they're layered in and things are like really put in a place and, you know, reading about the background, that was something they specifically wanted to do with this record is make sure that every sound every vocal, every instrument had its place and fit into a certain area. And actually, they one of the fights that they had with the producer was that uh, the producer wanted to, you know, Ben Allen wanted to bump up every vocal, put it in the forefront, because he's coming from a hip-hop background. He's coming from a pop background where it's, it's rhythm and vocals. Those are the two things that are the number one, right? So th- to him, like, the vocals should be up front to the band they're like we like to layer it in with the other instruments it's it's part of the overall cohesive nature of our music you know it it's 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 important and it's certainly maybe the primary focus but it should be a part of the overall tone and i think here on this record they found that balance like because you know that push pull between the producer and the band of like we want it low in the vote mix versus we want it high in the mix. I think because they were so like focused on how this sounds, every little bit is in its proper place. And that really makes for a really pleasurable listen. You know, yeah. uh, there's a lot of sub bass stuff going on, mm-hmm. um, which is oddly subtle in its use. It, it seems weird to say that because the sub bass is so prevalent and so obvious when you listen to it. But I think the way they use it, the way they layer it, because sometimes there's like three or four layers of bass lines going on and, or at least bass layers going yeah. on. And it's fucking, it's, it's great. And um, it can though, Adrian, you're saying how they highlighted each, there's so many individual little parts on all these songs. And for the most yes. part, they come together 
but it, it it can sound fussy at times. See, I I don't know. I think they found, sounded fussier on previous records. I think they sounded fussier on like the Strawberry Jam feels era stuff. But maybe that's just because it's a little bit more loose on those records, and, and yeah, so it's naturally think, more fussy. And the fuss on this album has the more warmth and depth to it. Yes, I think. It, and I think you can attribute a lot of that warmth to they specifically sought out like new equipment, analog equipment, stuff that they could really make this stuff sound as good as possible uh, to build off of. So a lot of the things that I'm, you know, on these listens that I'm paying attention to now is like, there's so many more samples that than I remembered, like there's little radio clips going on in the background of, of voices just talking. Um, the intro to My Girls, which I actually never knew, is a sample of the rings of Saturn, like literally like the rings of Saturn, huh. sp- like space sounds is literally far what they out, sample. Yeah, trippy, out. brother. Oh, <laughs> shit. It's also so, the name of a pretty shitty local and somewhat popular um overly technical death metal band wow that'd be cool if so, they sampled them so that makes a sound i thought nobody could hear in space well yeah, but it's all it's no... vibes dude it's vibes. <laughs> if you um i think i i don't know exactly how they get that the the rings of saturn but it, there's some kind of i've heard the sun before there's a recording of the right. sound the sun makes radio waves things like that that they they can record Go yeah ahead. in 2009 i was driving a saturn oh shit. whoa yeah. oh shit me too <laughs> there you go saturn boys for life saturn boys one ring to guide them one ring to unite them <laughs> cut that out I jesus i uh i miss saturn you know r.i.p R. saturn oh company. yeah all right those are like collectible now i donated oh, right Got the little tax write off. It was cool. I destroyed mine in a car crash. Whoa. But, uh, but to wrap up, sort what of. Song what song was playing when you crashed your car? Oh, crash. That's a good question. This was to me. It was probably like Dizzy Rascal. It was like, you have a pussy hoe. A pussy <laughs> <laughs> ah, Look out. Let's just truck. Let's just say that that's, that's what it was. <laughs> but to, to wrap it up, I think that on on these listen these subsequent listens like it it really rekindled my love for this record. Now, am I gonna like going forward? Am I gonna listen to this record a shit ton? I don't know. I think I'm probably gonna return to Fields and Strawberry Jam more often than this one. But there are certainly elements of song of the songs and and songs, you know, a couple of tracks where I will return to because. This reminded me like, oh shit, like, yeah, there's some fucking great stuff going on. Like Caleb, you mentioned the droney more, the more droney parts. Like, yeah. I forgot about that. I forgot that like half of, um, well, we'll get into that in the songs, but I, for- I forgot that like some of these songs do have that classic kind of droney animal collective yeah. sound, which is, you know, which is great. Uh, Caleb, do you remember now. listening to the, uh, the second panda, well, not second, but the, the panda bear solo after person pitch that's like a droney album did you like do you yeah i liked that yeah and i especially like the one before that the young prayer albums just him on guitar yeah Yeah, and um a bunch of weird acoustic guitar stuff drone elements and stuff but yeah yeah for that i agree with you too there adrian like um 
Yeah, the way they layer and all that stuff and kind of you know stick to those roots, um, they do it really well. And like, like you were saying, and it's it's less uh, it's less just random, you know. Um, and it has a I think it has a stronger center center to it, which um, I, I respect we were no longer in peak but. in peak random as a culture. We passed <laughs> that. No, no, we were going elsewhere. We we're going more specific. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, Caleb. Should we hear these? Is that uh, any? Do you have any other thoughts on that, Adrian? No, no. That that pretty much um, sums it up. Yeah, wraps it All up. All right. So, back by popular request is slaps section. Um, it looks like we have some overlap here, and it looks like we, we have some conflicts. Ooh, it's gonna get spicy. Uh, yeah, if we're keeping the cipher going my turn to puff puff pass so uh yeah i put down as not be familiar with this album i didn't i had trouble finding slappers um because you know i think with like a slapper or banger whatever you want to call it it's something that resonates with you very personally it's like oh that's my jam that's my song but i didn't really have that connection to this album so i had to kind of um think it more in terms of like you know, music I like or like what what elements are or like relate more closely to something that I enjoy. And um I think like bluish kind of uh you know scratches that itch. Um it has a cool kind of like spacey dreamy kind of vibe almost like some uh eh, like dream pop or something like that. You know like that kind of four AD kind of English stuff. Yeah, and so it has like really sweet vocals. Um not like sweet, that's sweet. It's just I don't know there's something kind of precious and nice and romantic about it um especially when it comes to like just the vocals and and it's one of the more minimalist songs on a pretty maximalist album and i think that's just kind of what i gravitate towards anyways i like kind of stuff that's a little bit more stripped down and austere especially you can kind of let the electronics and all those textures breathe you know more i think animal collective is occasionally guilty of just kind of being a little too claustrophobic and kind of smothering things and um yeah when they just need to kind of create more space i think so yeah let's hear some of uh bluish and um this song i think about the 35th minute or 35th second got it <laughs> yeah. yeah i do the 35th minute in the album in its entirety though caleb because it's like halfway this album's yeah, pretty long, right. 51 it's like, minutes. It's like 50, yeah, 50 minutes or something. Yeah, so let's hear some, some of Bluish. Yeah, Caleb, I, I had this on my honorable mention list. I think this is a really... This strikes a nice balance between some of the older Animal Collective sounds and sort of the newer sounds that they're exploring on this record. Yeah. Uh, but here is a little bit of Bluish. chill i think that song's about like a baby i want to say yeah um the but it's not baby it's not baby music they probably but sampled yeah. like the ultrasound or something from like one of their 
kids' heartbeats or something on there. Oh, yeah, that's a great idea. Or you could be like Nico, didn't she? Uh, sample the life support system for her kids. She got hooked on heroin. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. I don't know. That's one of those urban legends. I've never actually somebody yeah, told me that. Know. I was like, it just sounded too right, and I was just like, yeah, I don't need to verify that by any uh, means. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that's that's my uh, that's my slapper. I can uh, we can hear from somebody else next in the cipher. I have another one that we can do later, but um, yeah, I want to hear what you guys have to contribute. Um, yeah, bluish. That's a chill song. It's like kind of like the downer song of the album. I like yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but my slapper let's go ahead it's the first time the previous two albums uh feels and strawberry jam the first song on those albums i always thought were like the worst songs and this song in flowers which leads off the album it is in the like, in the flowers sorry in, in flowers right indie flowers in the flower yeah in the flowers yeah okay. undie flowers there you um, go it's the first time where i think that like circus music stuff actually kind of works um <laughs> but uh maybe like the 245 mark there's a good melody that uh i think avatar's voice sounds good on this and it's catchy so yeah in flowers finally a good opening track Coachella Valley, put your hands in the air. We're partying all night with you guys. If you give us that light, we'll shine the light right back on y'all. We're going to tune the whole desert, baby. Tune the room. <laughs> oh, we I just want to get a vibe check. You guys drinking enough water? They haven't brought that back you know, in a while. Tune you know the, the room. Tune you know where the, the chill room. out tent is? Yeah, that's like the where your surroundings. That's like, yeah, that's a good song though. I think it's a slapper. Yeah, I think uh, it sets up the record pretty well too in terms of like what you're about to hear. It's kind of a throwback to some of the older stuff a little bit in terms of like the repetitive sample or the repetitive kind of, you know, um, yeah. Whatever the beginning is all that experimental kind of minimalist stuff. Yes. Flirted with earlier. Exactly. So they're kind of like, let's wade into this a little bit and then let's kind of hit them with the more electronic bassy stuff towards the latter half of the, of the, yeah. If you want to play the last like 20 seconds, I think it gives you, cause I think it ends, it goes out the way it came in. It's like kind of, the more washed out sound of some of their early stuff. See, that's the freak folk I know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, just like a good old weirdo outro. Yeah, dig it. Yeah. That synth work. Adrian, what's your uh, slapper? Uh, So... I have a, a few. Um, they're actually probably that. pretty obvious ones. Uh, so I'll talk about the one that's the least obvious, which is Summertime Clothes. Although 
on the other hand, it also was, I believe, a single. So maybe it's it's another obvious one. But yeah, um, the song sounded somewhat familiar to me when I was doing the listen. Yeah, um, I believe it was featured on uh, season one, episode five of the Hulu original Shrill. <laughs> Shout out Shrill. Um, really going after it on Shrill. Yeah, not a, uh, can't say they're a sponsor. Um, but I, I just That's like the vibe. I of... can't just think. I can't think of another uh, <laughs> Hulu original in, show. Inconsequential Hulu show. You know what? I just think it's interesting. You choose to pick a show that uh, has a woman on it. I just think that. I, I just okay. I think that's super fucking interesting. I could do better. Uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, do better. Have, you might have recognized that on uh, the HBO Max original series High Maintenance season one. <laughs> Definitely two, High Maintenance. Naked guy cries for some reason. That show, um, uh, uh, come off it, New York. Your city's not that magical. Okay, I said it. <laughs> and also, the thing I do not like about that show is like, are we in the fucking forties? Everyone on that show is like, yeah, we're gonna have an old fucking reefer party. Let's yeah. all like yeah, sit around right. in, well, in, that's, a, in a that's buddy a part pile of, and smoke that's some a part of New York. That's a part of New York. Get your but shit over here out in Cali, out here that in the West Coast. You're like, stuff. I'm gonna do a yeah, ball we, in the morning. I wake up. We know how to smoke out here. We don't. Caleb, that show gave me anxiety. That show gave me anxiety, high maintenance, because I was like, dude, I feel like I'm in fucking a freshman in high school. Like, they're like, don't say (laughs) weed. Don't say weed over the phone, bro. Like, just say hang out. It's like, oh, you, 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 hey, you fucking, you a grass head too? All right, we'll take that. Show's for squares. Shows for fucking animal collective fans. Uh, Anyways, (laughs) stepping on your. uh, no, it's all good. Um, Don't step I, just, on the I really, I really like, I really like the, I really like the sounds on summertime clothes. I think it has a really nice, pleasant vibe. There's some really nice harmonies, um, and actually, the, the the little piece that I'm gonna play here has some nice. Uh, it's where the the panda bear harmony comes in, but it this this track was always one that stood out to me, and I think it's a little bit overshadowed by its kind of other two big brother singles uh my girls and and brother sport but i think this is a really great track and a really great animal collective track so here's a little bit of summertime clothes I forgot to issue a breathy vocal alert. Sorry. (laughs) My bad. My bad. Yeah, I don't want to happen again. (laughs) Uh, I think it just has a nice energy to it. Um, And it also connects to one of the songs from Strawberry Jam. Uh, In one of those songs, he talks about. Yeah. Are they directly calling back like their old song? It almost sounds like they're sampling passages of their older songs a lot. Right. They're like Marvel. They have an extended universe. (laughs) Well, that's one thing I noticed on this listen is how much those songs. I don't know if it's just because these are themes that they always return to or whatever. I know that there's some some overlapping elements between some of the solo records and, and the Animal Collective records. But this definitely has like a spiritual sequel vibe to it because it's talking about on the last record you know 
I think it was Panda Bear was talking about how he wants to walk around stoned in the in the rain. And now he's talking about how he wants to walk around with his partner and, you know, uh, experience stoned the- in the rain. <laughs> you can do both. Uh, they talk. They do talk about the rain and some other. There's some other it's elements. Like trash, of that. right? It's like trash bags on the street or something. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's the. I mean, and this is a through line, the continuation of sort of the domesticity. I think we touched on that a little bit earlier, but at this point now, like they're fully family. They're in men. love. They're in yeah. love, man. They're in. It. They're in it at this point. Like it's before, no longer lost love. It's we have the love we got the fans love we just got to keep it we got to hold on to it the internet <laughs> loves us what could go wrong 2012 is our year the follow-up <laughs> album is gonna fucking blow people away oh no <laughs> oh boy um but yeah i i think it's just a, a really pleasant song and and overall i just in terms of like the the singles or whatever i think this is one of the more underappreciated ones yeah good track it actually has guitar right is it one of the few songs that has a little yeah bit of guitar? i think there i mean there's guitar throughout there's like acoustic guitar, guitar samples playing. and stuff like that yeah. hey, guitar <laughs> um, guitar siding well because i think av terror <laughs> av terror also plays guitar and you know all, yeah, i mean all, obviously also all. there's a lot of samples he on here owns so. a guitar do you think he turns <laughs> his von dutch backwards when he plays guitar get a good look von dutch backwards tongue string. stuck out i gotta focus on rocking out yeah seven string ibanez baby <laughs> <laughs> but yeah let's uh does anyone have another I want to play my ibanez <laughs> You got another banger for us? Uh, Anyone? yeah. Uh, let's just do like a little speed round here. Um, I like. I think "No More Running" is a good song. It's another one of those kind of understated. Oh, interesting. That's on my uh, lackers. Yeah, I know. Just wait. Yeah, there's some. Uh, yeah, there's some spots where I don't agree with you guys either. But um, yeah, I don't know. I was like going through it. Like I said, I was kind of locating what I thought were bangers. Kind of fits my sensibilities, and I went back to this song a couple times because I always like listen to it a couple times all the way through and then i go back and kind of like do some highlighting tracks um it's a little inside baseball for all the listeners out there yeah so i thought it was a spacey little jammer you know it has that uh the beach boy vibe little too. jammer yeah so let's hear <laughs> let's hear some of that spacey little jammer and uh no just caleb i i had it as a slight whack in the notes because, yeah I, I saw that i was i was I, encouraged I, to see that it's more just where it falls on the album. I yeah. Think, I think a standalone song, it's fine. Like a B-side, it's fine. It just kind of where... Uh, kind of drags it down a little yeah, bit. Yeah, this album drags a little bit. Like all of these albums that I we've found done. It, I with, found it to with, be a little bit Animal bloated. Collective. It yeah. is bloated. They they embrace the bloat, I think. Oh, for sure. But I, I don't know. They got to take some gas X or something. Every song is five <laughs> minutes, roughly, on this album. Almost. Pretty much. I, the, 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 Lay off the salt. The shortest song is basically four <laughs> minutes long. So um, I don't disagree with you. I think Norma, I, I like this track and I like it for the reasons you're mentioning, Caleb. It's kind of the more droney, almost the kind of the more classic throwback Animal Collective song. The intro but, slaps. Um, yeah, but I, I, you know, I, I see where you're coming from too, No, I think that if this, if this track was dropped and it was like lying in a coma into Brother Sport and just kept that energy up, I think that that could work, but I don't hate it. But yeah, here's yeah. here's a little bit of no more running. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I, I don't. Yeah, I take it, but it's not a whacker. It's just, it, it just doesn't fit. Like, yeah, where, where it lands. I think, it would just I think that's a cool song, actually. That, that part is cool. I love the beginning of that song with the piano. Yeah, yeah. I like how they, uh, they keep the, uh, the little undercurrent of the other vocals and it kind of swells with like the main vocal track. It's a pretty cool little device. Um, all right, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of nice vocal elements like that. Yeah, totally. It, and this is definitely, I think in your notes, you some, said something about Beach Boys, uh, yeah, Beach Boys vibes. And there's a lot of Beach Boys vibes on this record, but I think this one specifically, especially with that like steel drum kind of, yeah. I think it's a steel drum, like a, like a, like a affected steel drum underneath. It's just, it really, it's a pleasant song, but yeah, yeah. it's, it's a, one of those it's ones. A, it's a come down jam, you know? And exactly. Sometimes, and sometimes those slap. Definitionally, yeah. they may not slap, but I don't know. That's kind of yeah. where I'm at. For sure. But all right. Cool. Um, anyone else have any slappers? Um, I have one. And then, I mean, I think there's the, the big song that we need to talk about on this album. But the one I, uh, that I wanted to highlight is Taste, which mm, yes. I didn't remember when I first heard this album. But uh, if you could play it from the beginning, Adrian, it sounds like a Metro booming beat, like that future, like mask off. It has like a flute sounding. It's kind of like drugged out. Kind of sounds like it could be like a Atlanta trap song for a little minute. Yeah, here's here's the beginning. Hey, young Metro, he don't trust you. He's gonna shoot you. Kind of what we were talking about with that song number one on Strawberry Jam, where it's like, I wish they, yeah, they just had little more kind of weirdo stripped down songs like that. Yep. Totally agree. It's, yeah. I think when they kind of bust it down to just like the bass elements of like a couple samples, a rhythm track, and then just really great vocals, it just, it really works on this record. I think there's a lot of stuff where, they have a lot of layers. There's a lot of things going on, but there's a couple of songs. And actually, weirdly enough, my girls is probably one of these songs where there's like four or five elements versus like seven or eight for the other songs. And it just works. And I think this is one of them where the kind of, I wouldn't say paired back, but certainly the more focused uh, elements of it, just, it sounds great. And yeah, I agree. No, this is this is this is probably one of the more underrated tracks um, on this record for yeah. sure. Nice, cool. And so, do you want to go in? What's the song that you think we all need to talk about, Noah? You you'd mentioned that. Well, My I think girl. yeah. Talk oh, about that. this is where we My split. Girl. So let's just let's jump into the fray. So this is the track that I was shine. actually. <laughs> this was a track that I wanted to bring up. Because, yeah, it is, along with Brother Sport, one of the two huge tracks from this record. I think that, I don't know if this is their biggest. These these two tracks are probably their biggest tracks in terms of like popularity and, and notoriety. But My Girls especially, this, this track was like huge. And uh it's interesting that you you put it on your wax list, uh, Caleb, because it's 
you know, it, I think that it breaks down the, this record to its base elements again, like taste does where it's just like, uh, you know, a great rhythm track, great vocal take and a really catchy chorus. Uh, and I think that's why it works for me, but I'm interested to hear why it doesn't work for you, Caleb. Cause I don't think that's what I wanted to. I think it's like the way they do it. It just comes mm. off as, um, I don't know if like, yeah, it comes off as a little pandering and I just, and I think that, um, I don't know. I don't like the, I think the lyrics are corny. Yeah, corny um, alert for sure. There's, uh, when he says, um, I don't need material things like a social status. Social status is in fact immaterial. So weird <laughs> that you say that. Like it literally is a status. It's the, the, there's there's things that come along with it that are material, but it's not in and of itself a material. It's like thing. his Alanis Morissette's ironic. It's not <laughs> yeah, ironic. very much so. <laughs> um, so yeah, I don't know. I think it's just like uh, yeah, they, I don't know. I think they just went a little too big on it, and it just kind of pulls in a lot of influences and elements that i'm not just i'm not necessarily interested in as a as a you know as a listener it's kind of just going over into that um just kind of like sparkly kind of pop zone yeah. that um i don't have a ton of patience for caleb this song soured me on the album pretty much in 2009 when i first mm. heard it but now i think it's like a it's a pretty damn good pop hit and I think the bass sounds really good. Yeah. There's good percussion. It's a true earworm. It's it's really the only hit song they ever wrote that I think will like kind of stand the test of time as far as like mm. earworm and melody go. So yeah. that's I I I I had to call it a slapper. I had to <laughs> had to do it. Uh let's give it a listen then. Yeah, and this is uh also their most played song at least on spotify by What's far it, I'm at 40 mil or something it's just shy of 40 mil it's at 39.1 mil Ooh, so listeners let's get that over the 40 <laughs> hump by tonight come on <laughs> you Who's with yeah me? listen to it a million times listeners but yeah i i agree with everything that you you saying Has that like Brazilian or like Colombian kind of? Yeah, these guys definitely are big, Latin. Big into Latin, South yeah. American, like yeah. a lot of Latin of vibes on this pop, psychedelic music for sure. But I think, in terms of pure bangers, pure like just straight up pop songs, as you're saying, Noah, this is the one I think of all of their of their entire really entire discography oeuvre. this is entire oeuvre this is probably the most i want commercial may be the wrong word but this is probably their most the closest to where they're hitting that pure pop moment and as a as a the decade goes of to the 2000 is this the definitive 2000 mm. song really as far as like the you know what we cover on this podcast like the 
I mean, I would certainly put it up there with the, the blogosphere with M- and the, yeah. the MIAs and the, you know, and yeah, some paper planes, influential perhaps. stuff. Yeah, it might have been the peak. It might have been the apex. I think paper planes probably edged it, edges it out, maybe. But not by much, because this, yeah. this track, I mean, yeah, it was huge in, for this band, but it's also just huge in terms of like an indie rock song. Or I would offer up one more song. This sex is on fire. No, no. <laughs> Coming back. Is that even how that song goes? Or am KOL. I thinking of this girl is on fire? I think you kind of just. Yeah, I think you're, you're mixing a couple. You're not of wrong. This sex is on fire. <laughs> nice. Good job. All right. Um, any others? I think there's Dude. one more track that we got to talk, at least mention. Other sport? Yeah, I think. Okay. This is I also the like kind lying of... in a coma. Lying in a coma is good too, but okay. Well, let's hear a little bit of lying in a coma because I agree. Play, play like for, a minute five. For me, this this is honestly when I first listened to it. This is one of the more throwaway uh, tracks, and I always kind of had that impression of it. But listening to it now, I'm like, this track is fucking genius, and there's a lot of Got cool sounds going on. Didgeridoo sample. It's kind of gimmicky, but whatever. It's a cool song. I mean, yeah, it's a bit of a novelty song, but it's also it's you know it's a fun listen. Um, but yeah, I think just to close it out in terms of uh, our slappers, I think we got to talk about Brother Sport. Uh, for me, it's always been one of the two pillars of this record. I mean, it's interesting that they put it last because you know I'm sure. Well, maybe not Domino Records, but most record labels would probably be like, you got to put that closer to the front you gotta put that up higher because this is just such a good song in terms of summing up what the sound of the record is but it's it's very pleasant you know and it's also it's interesting because it's like it's a it's like speaking to it's another one of their songs where they're speaking directly to someone or it's directly about someone Mm -hmm. in this case it's about panda bear's brother matt and he's basically kind of giving him advice but yeah, I always liked this track. I always thought it was a strong track. I don't know. It seems like, Caleb, you didn't like it. What, what were your feelings on it? I just don't like it. I don't like my <laughs> brothers. I don't like sports. Um, No, I like I like all those things. Uh, Yeah, I don't... What do I have in my notes? I just felt it a little claustrophobic, and they were just kind of getting back to that um, piling on the goofball kind of uh, motifs. So yeah, that I don't know. It's it, yeah, it just seemed a little bit much for me. Um, and yeah, it just had all the pitch shifting and all the weird, goofy guy time. So yeah, I don't know. It's just not my kind of jammer. Um, and it's a, and it, like you're saying, maybe it just kind of it's a lot to do at the end of it. Album. I'm saying like album should a- end strongly, but I think there's a different approach to that. It just it, I just felt it was a it was a last little annoyance before they dipped you know and that's kind of <laughs> just i don't know left me a little tiny bit sour let's hear it yeah here's brother sport
And also, I just reminded myself, I get really nervous listening to, uh, is that Panda Bear singing? Yeah. Okay, when he gets really in his feels about it, I feel like he could slip and do like a an offensive sort of like at, do some accent work. Oh. You know, like you could, I don't want to repeat what that would sound like, but like on that song, you can kind of hear him just, you know, the way his vocals, he's getting really into it, getting really eccentric, and it could just be like a fake patois out of nowhere if he's not careful. Out. Yeah, a little too <laughs> vibed out, starts pulling at Shed Hanks. <laughs> so just be careful. That's all I'm saying. Just be careful out there, uh, young men, singers, young women, singers, young, whatever singers. Well, um, do we cover it? Well, it's, we is there any like specific whack songs we want to call out? And we talked a little bit about stuff that we thought was whack. But... I already said mine running the no more running just because it dragged a little bit. But yeah, yep. I don't know. Do we? I guess I don't. This is kind of the least wax I've ever had on an album. But and Caleb, you pretty much said yours too. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're I, like I the two popular songs, and yeah, I don't know. I just they didn't work for me. Um. Yeah, I mean, overall, though, I think it's, you know, strong album, the way that they put everything together. It's like definitely yeah. a huge fucking right. achievement. And well, um, let's. Uh, yeah, let's uh, go do one more break and then um, we'll come back and we'll finals and we'll play the game up. and we'll just kind of break it all down. What we thought about this whole uh, animal collective trip, you know? Yeah. I'm posi vibes right. after that brother sports song, dude. I'm nice. Like, Hell dude. Yeah. Come on, Hell yeah, brother. Let's go fucking let's go somewhere. Let's go to the drive-thru of Starbucks. Like something. <laughs> we'll do something like that. Let's I really want some the... ice cream. I really want some vegan ice cream right now. Yeah, let's go see Black Widow. Coming up <laughs> after the break. <laughs> nice. All right, guys. Uh, yeah, let's just uh, let's keep moving along. It's a school night after all. Um, how would you rate this album? I gave it a couple notches up from the last two. I'm going to go 8.5, best new music, Ooh. or BMN, Ooh. best music. A glowing review uh, for Noah. Yeah. Okay. 8.5. 8.5. I'm going to give it a 7.5. Six, seven point six. That's yeah. one above Strawberry Jam. Another okay. glowing review. Yeah, I've thought about this a bit. I think nine point six is is too high for sure. Yeah, I I think this is a really strong record of the three that we've done. So you know, of the of the three, I think that this is probably the strongest for me. I don't know. I nine point two. I'm gonna give it a 9.2. I think it's better than Whoa. the I think it's above an eight range, but it's still not quite like hitting perfection. I think a 9.2 is is just just about right. It's this is probably sonically and songwriting wise their most concise and like good perfect record. So yeah. I think but, a 9.2 fits. But to be clear, the best album of 2009 was only built for Cuban links volume. <laughs> yeah, history will uh will prove that fact to be right. All right. Um Caleb. great. That gives us a collective 8.4, which yeah, I think in today's terms and yeah. sensibilities, I think it probably would land today's something market. close to that. Yeah, Animal today's market now would kill for an 8.4. Oh my god. Yeah. yeah. 
Like how who's today's market? Do you think they got their own version of a? They got their own like Dogecoin. They got like Avatar coin, (laughs) Panda coin, Panda coin. Seems like they'd be uh, crypto bros, but. I don't know. I'm sure that's coming, but maybe I don't know. Maybe he's they like, might be. They, like, they, they think things should be weird and difficult. He keeps when he does my girls live. He keeps adding things where he's like, "I just want four walls and a bunch of Dogecoin and a Tesla <laughs> for my girls." <laughs> Shout out Elon Musk. Like as you get older, you comedian, very famed, much care comedian, about material things. SNL comedian. Shout out Grimes. Shout out uh, hashtag cancel SNL. Can we get that trending <laughs> on Twitter? Yes, please. Like, just enough. end it. How many fucking comedian careers do you need to like they can the Internet exists. They can do it themselves. They don't need the launch pad anymore. Uh, I mean, down. there's always years where it's like it's bad now. But no, we've it's just been, been bad gaslit. for like we've just been gaslit years. for 50 fucking years. It's like. <laughs> It's bad. I mean, it's always hold, been hit or miss. Down. Everyone's like, "Oh, just hold out. It's but... gonna get better. They're gonna get the uh, John, like the next John Mulaney or whatever. But, uh... Next Conan's <laughs> gonna write for it." But it's like, that's, that's, even when those guys are on the phone, eighty percent of the sketches were not only not funny, like completely fucking incompetent. Like What's the woman well, they would get those guys... fired for in any other. What's medium. the woman's name? Melis- they... Villa Senor. Yeah. Yeah. Why why is she not on the show anymore? Like she's in the cast, but like what the fuck? Use her. A least. lot of times like, they'll have like sabbaticals or whatever to like do other projects and shit. Yeah, maybe. Well, also like they... Star of Shrill, AD Bryant, your favorite show. No, uh like she wasn't on she was like filming <laughs> that new season featuring uh Vox Trot <laughs> and whatever else. Yeah. She's actually one of the stronger cast. Yeah, members, she's honestly. funny on that sh- on SNL. Yeah, she's great. Uh, but yeah, this, this, the show is hot garbage. And Lauren, fuck you. Just retire. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. let's go. What are we doing next? Smooth scale? Yeah, smooth scale, baby. I feel like smooth this scale. album kind of relates to smooth. Like I said earlier, yeah, it, has it does. That, it has that Oddly white enough. Bo- it yeah. has that white boy summer like vibe. And I think like Rob Thomas had the original white boy summer like back in 1999. <laughs> well, he's wearing the shit out of that like satin shirt and the in the, the like the singlet, the white tank top <laughs> thing. Fucking hanging out with some just like beautiful Latinx people. You know, um, I don't know. So Santana, Carlos Santana is named in the review of this album on Pitchfork. Are you fucking serious? We've reached. Yep. It's not not necessarily singularity. So they say they're like Meriwether Post Pavilion. That's kind of like a weird name. And they're like like, a venue in Baltimore or something. Yeah, the venue in Baltimore. But they're like the venue doesn't really reflect like their animal collective sound because like as of last year acts like santana and john mayer have played there so it's kind of like <laughs> throwing shade at santana yeah dude keep that man's Mary name out of your mouth white boy but yeah we finally got santana reviewed on pitchfork thank god hey we <laughs> did it everyone let's pack it in yeah, well, I guess that's that's it for the podcast. Jeez, yeah, it's been, you I haven't even heard so smooth in a while. Do you have that queued up? Yeah, let's just you know what? Yeah, let's just give ourselves a nice little give let's us a just cleanser. Get, let's give just get a, a little smooth pump. break, shall we? Yeah, a little, a little stop smooth. talking about. It. Let's just do it. 
Um, we owe it to ourselves. By the way, I am definitely looking forward to summer of 2022 when I am going to see this live. Oh, you got the ticks. I got the ticks, baby. Where is it? Where is it? Concord. Beautiful Concord, California. Dude, is it, it's going to be hot out there, it's baby. It's not sold oh, out, yeah. right? It's not sold out? Get ticks, baby. Get ticks. Can I, can I roll with you? Yeah, I'm co- I'm I'm rolling with my cousins like I should be. Oh, oh hell yeah, dude. Fuck yeah, I'm going. <laughs> fuck I'm fuck there. It. I love Concord. All right, here we go. Here's our old favorite, smooth. Concord, California. Thank you so much. God bless you. We'll leave you with this one. I swear if Rob Thomas doesn't come out, I'm going to fucking riot. Would you settle for a um like a hologram? Is he dead? <laughs> yeah, he's no, like, <laughs> they can't get him for the show or whatever. <laughs> They're just like, oh, he's he's stuck in. Uh, no, Caleb, he's it's stuck cheaper, in Georgia. It's cheaper to get Rob Thomas than it is to get a hologram. <laughs> of Rob uh, yeah, maybe they can get him like true. zoomed in, like on the so, screen. Like, we were gonna do hologram, but it was like a hundred thousand dollars, so we just yeah. figured let's give him five G's. And yeah. Carlos is Carlos is like, man, I've showed Rob the whole fucking world. He he comes when I ask, he comes. <laughs> I snap my finger. That fool's there. Uh, sweet. Yes. Smooth. Love to hear it. Uh, You're right that now. Gave it's me, been that too long. Fucking, that set me right, dude. That yeah, it gave crazy. me a second wind. Yeah, here we go. That's, that's fucking. I got to work at 7 tomorrow, but I don't know, man. I might be getting fucking loose. Yeah, I got an 830 meeting. Let's fucking let's finish this off <laughs> strong. baby. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we should probably, you know, maybe take the segment where you usually talk about what happened to the band and just talk about you know what we learned here in this this uh this first of yeah. hopefully many series based uh what doing did a series we um yeah i mean we learned that um bands do progress and uh can have drastically different albums while maintaining some you know uh common dna and um well also just the way that Go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. Uh, yeah, I, I was, and I say all that to say it's also kind of like, and then how the media at like apparatus like responds to that and supports it, you know, and they like this whole narrative of like bands growing or like, oh, they're doing this on this album now. They're using this elements. They like to like dissect that and geek out on that, and then like use that to like perpetuate the hype, um, rather than being like, it's, so it has to like further qualify it rather than it being like oh this just you know they stuck to their sound and they just made another strong album you know it always has to be this like what else they're doing differently how else are they like how else are they being profound why are they deserving of your attention you know why are we so kind to them you know um Mm -hmm. and i think i I think that's why animal club got so big because they weren't afraid to um, respond to the world of music around them and incorporate different things and grow, but also maintaining that outsider weirdo yeah, freak kind of thing. So I don't know. They mm-hmm. kind of, I have a question for they you hit guys. this. Uh, I don't know. They hit this balance that um, is, can be rare to do. Or Adrian, what you, what did you learn? And then, and then I want to pose a question to the group. Well, over the course of these three records, I think, what I've learned, I think, and touching on some what you're saying, Caleb, I think we learned how the interplay between the hype machine and the band, how those things push and pull on each other. Although I think Animal Collective was a good example of a band 
reaching above the hype and pushing themselves to do something that that works for them and then hoping that it works for the general public. Um, I think that they were very successful in that. But I also think that the the hype around them, you know, it definitely pushed these records above to where they may have landed otherwise. And I think that we saw how uh, how that affected, you know, the popul- their popularity. But I think in terms of like the evolution of their sound, we got to see kind of, you know, the refinement of their pop sensibilities. We got to see them go from kind of, yeah, the, the more freak folky kind of loose vibes, you know, of feels, which is just, you know, isn't anywhere loose as their earlier records, but certainly more loose compared to this um, and see where that, landed them versus where we're at now with this record where things are much more tightened things are much more constrained um which isn't to say they don't have energy or not interesting or or different but i think that they they landed on a sound and they were i think that they were approaching the sound on the last two records and we got to see that arc and now we saw the fulfillment of that arc and from here you know things definitely went i wouldn't say downhill but i don't think they ever achieved the pinnacle of this yeah. record i'd say they went uphill as in yeah trying to make it, was... it difficult for themselves you know, like, <laughs> well i think um, it was more of an uphill battle stretching as... more than there that. you go yeah, yeah there you go. maybe a lot of their audience probably aged out and then it's like okay now my my girls put us in such a popular category now we're kind of floating in this festival circuit scene with like Mm. we're part of this dance music thing but i just wanted to ask you guys because i was thinking like on these outings our overlords of indie look to open up offering an ongoing outburst of overflowing otherworldly ostensibly ostentations outpourings of off-kilter opulent oblong orchestral Ooh, pulsating and poppy pulling from post-folk and the fundamentals of foundational deconstructed <laughs> dance ditties devolving into dirge-like doses of dev- devilish delicate pomp but i just have a question do you th- so my girls is such a huge song do you think they'll be remembered really outside of that song like for younger generations like i don't i don't think any i don't kid- remember that song yeah and that was like they were targeting this shit like right at me like a 22 year old i don't think anybody's college student you know i don't think any kid or something's like or no bands that are being formed now are like influenced by say feels or strawberry jam i I don't know i think you kind of reduce their career down to like my girl like and i definitely think popularly it has been i think marywell post pavilion gets put in this um like canon of like these breakout indie um or whatever you know art pop undie. album undie undie art pop and they get put in like they have the like this like lionized and um yeah. but i think that also reduces that down reduces their history to yeah making just this album and then a much more differently received and quiet who will you know, remember the freak folk <laughs> Yeah. Well, I don't know. I think the way that things are now, I think that people are, will be discovering these records. And I think that these three are kind of the strongest of their canon. Um, mm-hmm. 
But in terms of like influence, I don't know. It's hard to say. Right now, this one's probably not as influential as maybe it was before. But I think that in the future, yeah, this might be a touchstone for some artist. I don't know. But I think this, these three, only time will tell. But I think these three, you know, uh, Feels, Strawberry Jam, Meriwether Post Pavilion, along with Sung Tongs, I think those four records are form the kind of core of Animal Collective Sounds. And I think those ones are going to be, in the future, are going to be touchstones for, yeah. for generations to come. But And a future episode for us will definitely be Panda Bear's Person Pitch. Yes. And we'll have to yes. ask the question, was that album surpass Animal Collective's output in its entirety, mm. basically? And one indication of that is how responsive this album is to that album, you know, and like right. maybe, and they knew which way the wind was blowing. So, um, yeah, interesting things and, to talk about, but yeah. Well, I, and then I have one last thing to add, one last little tidbit for the 10th anniversary of this record way back in 2019. The that band was like released, five, five, six years ago. Uh, <laughs> check your math bro it's uh it'll shock you but anyways <laughs> oh um, the band released <laughs> the band released a record uh ballet slippers which is a live album consisting of performances from the meriwether post pavilion tour uh in order to celebrate the 10th anniversary so at least for the band i think this is still kind of an important piece of their history an important element of their evolution well yeah uh, bought a homeboy a fucking house in lisbon <laughs> some adobe slabs yeah <laughs> all right. you need out there uh great shall we play the game yeah let's play a game <laughs> let's play uh, the game david fincher's the game and we twisted <laughs> no spoilers that was, though that movie's good yeah, that's, uh, it's a good hangover intro. movie. Yeah, even when you it's know. under it's underappreciated Fincher or like maybe undercovered. I don't know. It's kind of like a Fincher's weird, kind of forgotten Fincher in general. It's forgotten Fincher, but it was still pretty popular. Anyways, what's the game? Um, the game we're going round three of uh, super groups, side projects, Ooh. and solo acts. Nice, because this you know we're a super group of guys, and this is a super <laughs> group of episodes. So yeah, I think that's very we're deserving of that. And Adrian's going solo anytime now. <laughs> yeah. All right. Oh, let's do this. Here we go. He's going to start a super group with other podcasts. So basically, <laughs> be like him, Jason Walner, or like whoever else the hell's on. Uh, like uh, Joe Rogan. Yeah. Uh, Joe. So it's like him, Joe Rogan, and uh, Scott Ackerman. Or Joey Diaz. Joey one Diaz. The, and one of the Barstool. Uh, yeah. Dave Barstool Portnoy. Fans. Dave Portnoy's in there. One of uh, Bill Simmons' lackeys. Um, <laughs> you name them, they'll do anything. Okay, here we go. So the way shout out Shea Serrano, <laughs> Shea man. The way this game works is uh, basically I'll name uh, band members, and you tell me the supergroup, side actor, solo project that they belong to. Yeah. All right, here we go. Trey Anastasio. Oh God. Oh. Anastasia, uh, Stuart Copeland, whoa, and Les oh. Claypool. Oh shit! My name is Mud. Oh, yeah. This is like a more recent super. Creepy. Is it Les Claypool's Purple Onion or whatever that shit's called? <laughs> it's not that one. 
No, this is a, there's this a is whole its own. sub like Wikipedia just of Wes Claypool's um, super. Oh yeah, groups. that dude gets around. Uh, fuck, I can't think fuck of the name. Just Primus fans, man. Okay, this band name might be the worst band name for a super group. That's such a high oh, bar to, yeah. to to achieve. Most super Oyster. groups have the most decrepit and fucking names. Oysterhead. Oh, Oysterhead. Oh, God. Yeah. Wow. It had one album in 2000, I think. Oh, I found it. That's actually my animal collective name. Oysterhead. Oyster. Yeah, <laughs> Oysterhead. They had one album, I think, in like 2001 called The Grand Pecking Order. And so get this their tour was canceled in the wake of 9 11. Oh, 9 11. I bet they were pissed then, about that. Like, I get they, it. We need to move on as a country, though. Like, no, seriously. Check this out. Then they reunited at uh, Bonnaroo in like 2019, but their subsequent reunion tour was canceled due to COVID. So it was like, <laughs> the universe is like, please stop. No. <laughs> <laughs> the universe is NFT. <laughs> yeah. No fucking thanks, Claypool. All right, here we go. Second group. Les Claypool, Buckethead, oh, Bernie Worrell, oh, what? Brian Brain Montia, Bernie fucking Worrell, slumming Les Claypool. The fuck? Yeah. I don't, yeah, I have This no is idea. the band you were thinking of, but you can't. Oh, yeah. Les Claypool's uh, Mushroom Tip, whatever yeah, it's so called. <laughs> so Claypool, so all of the group's names are in the title. Adrian, do you have a guess? No, I, I, I have no guess. So it's Colonel Claypool's bucket of Bernie brains. Jesus fucking Christ. Give this shit like, a listen, dude. I do not like that. I was like, well, Bernie War- Warrell, how hard can it be? Or, I mean, how bad can it be? And Bernie, like, he's doing his thing. He's tearing it up on the synths and stuff. But boy, is it a lot. It's just too much. <laughs> it's way too much. Yeah. Oof. Um, okay. Here the intersection go. of like jam bands and then people kind of like prog aligned. It's yeah. it's a it's a very <laughs> tough road to plow. Yeah. Road to hoe. Just go listen to the the first track. It's called Buckethead. It's like an ode to Buckethead. Buckethead. Les- <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Les Claypool is like he wears a bucket on his head and he plays the guitar like never heard. Um, all right, here we go. Kurt Kurt. Wood, Chris Novoselic, and Bud Gow. Bud Gow. Oh. God damn it. What was that? Yeah. Is this, uh, is that Sweet 76 or whatever? No, Sweet 75. That was Sweet 75. That was Chris Novoselic and, um, a woman from another band. Do you guys know uh, who Bud Gow, Gow is? From Sublime. Sublime. Right? Oh. God, what was this? Their their music was not good. I remember Chris, trying to get I mean, what could it. go wrong? I remember this band got a lot of press because it was like Chris a Novoselic lot of press. is in another three-piece, man. It's like, yeah, he was well, the plus bassist it's a super in Nirvana. Group. Super group. But it's like he was the bassist in Nirvana. He's not gonna be kurt cobain like just well, because he's in another trio like of the, the three members uh of well of the three members of the the big nirvana lineup kurt cobain dave grohl and chris novoselic which one of those ones do you really want to listen to it's chris right you 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 want to hear those bass lines right <laughs> that's true yep that's true 
I want to hear him get knocked out by his guitar on the MTV Video <laughs> Music Award. Big tall Shh. son of a bitch. All right, you guys don't remember this group? I remember the music, but I can't remember the name. You own this fucking CD, Adrian. Oh, there's definitely MP3s somewhere on the Eyes. computer here. Say it with me. Oh, Eyes. Eyes Adrift. Eyes Apart. Eyes Adrift. Eyes Adrift. Terrible. Oh, you thought Oysterhead and Colonel Claypool's Bucket of Bernie Brains is a bad name. Eyes Adrift is almost worse because you can't remember it. You can't remember that fucking shit. No, it's so like, bland. It's bland as shit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, wow. They're almost telling you, come see our band and avert your eyes from this <laughs> crap. But Yikes. good for Bud Gaw, where he's like, hey, you guys need a drummer? <laughs> yeah, he was definitely <laughs> punching above his weight on that one. Bud. All right, here we go. Another historically bad band name. Sammy Hagar. Uh-oh. Joe Satriani. Oh, I know yeah. this one. Michael fucking Anthony and Chad Smith. Yeah, go ahead, Caleb. It's uh no, do you know what it is? No, I don't. It's uh chicken foot. <laughs> Is it chicken foot? All right. Yeah, I had an inkling. Foot. Good God. Oh. I think they might be called Those chicken foot because that's, what a, because that's what a peace sign looks like. So they're like, we're just good vibes. Peace. And so oh. chicken foot and peace sign are like the same. Chad Smith. Gross. Who's the coolest? Chad Smith, right? Out of all those? He seems like an okay Hank. Yeah, of all those guys, like I would sit down and smoke a joint with Satriani is probably a fucking asshole because he thinks Deep Purple is better than they were. Is Deep, Deep Purple, Purple are better than they were, but they're not that good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They got some good boogie woogie white boy shit. And Michael I mean, Anthony. Storm Rippers is a pretty good album. He's Dark Star is a great track. Michael mm-hmm. Anthony's the forgotten Van Halen member, so nobody cares about I'm him. Not so, in my heart. So he's probably a dick. Sammy Hagar is just so horny. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. Here we go. Adrian, you better fucking get this one. Yeah, I've, I'm fucking slacking on this. Dave Grohl. John Paul Jones. Oh yeah. Josh Homie. 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 That would be them crooked vultures. Yeah. Which which TCV, actually baby TCV. It's funny that you bring them up because I think last week, I don't know, time is all fucked up in these crazy times, but I believe hey, what's going on within the past Oh, Caleb. <laughs> you need to again. <laughs> Please, Caleb, please step outside. Are you on Twitter? Just read the no. news. Like, go, I got this little stack Twitter. of newspapers I need to catch up on. <laughs> Caleb, they got this thing called Doom Scrolling. You, you're into Doom Metal. Oh, Check I love out. that band, Doom Scrolling. <laughs> Check out Doom, Doom Scroll. Doom Scroll, but it's like a wizard with a scroll with like some ancient text on it. <laughs> yeah. Hey, what were you saying? Uh, I um, just, re- just within the past, let's say within the past couple of weeks, Dave Grohl came out and it was like, I want to do another Them Crooked Vultures record. So everybody was maybe like, we'll get another one of those. bro. No <laughs> fucking thing. The less Grohl, the better, honestly, these days. You don't like that Mick Jagger song? Easy, slay, believe me. Yeah, that was a tough listen. I got to be honest. Folks out there, do yourself a favor. Listen to the new Van Morrison and listen to the new... <laughs> Uh, Dave Grohl and Mick Jagger song because they're speaking truth to power, baby. <laughs> yeah, if you want two 
alternate views of the COVID vaccine, <laughs> the COVID virus, and the COVID vaccine. Listen to those two. Yeah, you want so what you want is records. you want false equivalencies, and right? That's I'm that's what real sure balance is. They they're not being ironic. I don't think they are. I don't think they know what irony is because. <laughs> Like not to those old blokes. Oh, Just irony go, is dead for these. Go guys. check those things out. Okay, here we go. Last but not least, Joe Bonamassa, our old friend, <laughs> Kenny Wayne Shepherd, oh, no. Peter Green, and Mark fucking Marin. <laughs> Isn't Peter right. Green dead? Peter Green's dead. This was Pretty recorded sure back in, dead for a little few years. This, this, this was recorded back ma- in twelve. This is made up. Is this uh, like the because real Mark Maron is obsessed? He can, he will not shut the fuck up about Peter Green. <laughs> and I'm surprised like Joe Bonamassa has not shit. been on his. Uh, yeah, the go- yeah. So it's gonna be like something horrible. It like, is. Ghost is in the title. How'd you know? But what do all what do all all of those guys I named? What do they do essentially well, they're, on guitar? They're all blues guys. They're all like noodlers. There ghost you go. blues. Ghost noodle. No reverse it. Noodle ghost. Noodle ghost. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. <laughs> oh no. Uh, that's our game. That's all I got. Oh, that Fuck is off, guys. Dude, these you know what? Fucking super groups. I I love it. I one group. I'm surprised. Super groups. Yes, it's great. But one group that I'm surprised has not come up, besides Lawn, which is pretty obvious. But uh, I almost put that on there. But is Probot. You guys remember Probot? Probot, because that was like it was a super group, but it was like with rotating singers and other collaborators. Yes. Yeah, what the hell was that? It was, Dave it Pearl, was baby. like the heavy version of yeah. um, them Fire. Crooked Vultures. So, so he it was, was like, like you, "Go ahead, Caleb." Yeah, he was like fancying himself like a um. He's like, "Oh yeah, I'm like a curator. I'm like a metal guy now, and I'm a curator. So I'm gonna bring all these guys like Wino from uh, St. Vitus and Lemmy and." Chronos from Venom or whatever, and I'm gonna. Uh, so it's when he's working the documentary circuit. Yeah, but he did. He basically had a whole band <laughs> of it. Talking so, heads, in and there, he yeah. says he's like, this is like underground metal that really like formed the like the heavier sides of Nirvana, all these other bands, and I'm gonna expose these to it. So he like played drums, and then um he just had like a rotating cast of like singers and stuff. I think each song had a different singer, but it came out on Southern Ward Records, which was like a pretty hip. Um, yeah, that's wild. Nice. But yeah, he was basically he's like, I'm gonna call up all my metal friends and fucking yeah. But it's like it's guys you fucking normies have never even heard of. And frankly, I I was into it when it came out, but I haven't well, it was bad. It but in, then again, uh, it's kind of like years. the whole switching singers thing is just like really not pal- palatable. At, at it doesn't a, make at a for a, like a cohesive good lesson at all. Yeah, yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. What uh, Caleb? We have actually another game. We better hurry up. We gotta finish. Um, so this this actually isn't a game, but we uh couldn't decide on what episode we wanted to do next, so we're gonna leave it up to chance. So what we're gonna do here is, I'm gonna plug in into the uh the uh, the Wacker Slabs HQ into our uh supercomputer. I'm just gonna ask it to generate a random number for us, and then. That will be pulled, that number, and the corresponding uh, number on the list of our master list of all the albums we want to uh, cover at some point. We'll just go with that one. So if it generates like 36, we go with line 36. All right. I think we all got it. Do it up. So here we go. Oh, that was quick. 101. The highway, baby. 101 life. 
So, so let's go. And this is going to be got? far down the list. So this is out of 107 danger, possible dude. choices. <laughs> Holy shit, Adrian. Oh, it's boy. none other than the knife silent shout, <laughs> which oh, we had plans to do very soon anyway. So nice. we free All that. Right. We free episode. So this will be episode another, 15. We'll free episode 16 best, for something else. Another best album of the year by Pitchfork. Yeah. Oh, right. Highly, yeah. highly rated. So, yeah, that'd be great. Uh, that's from 2006 from the Swedish electronic duo. I'm going to say yes, sister. but uh, we'll. Uh... It's not a knife. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyways, thank you for joining us. This has been episode 13 of Whack or Slaps. Uh, make sure to check out, out our feed. Uh, we have a new episode dropping every Thursday. So, thank you for listening. Um, you know, hit us up on social media. We're just at Whacker Slaps and all the usual suspects. Uh, and then that's our same Gmail address. So you can give us some emails, the show ideas, anything you want to know. Meet the boys. Um, also, like you can subscribe. Like and subscribe. We need Follow. to activate our listeners. We're trying to get a listener on every continent. We currently are on three, which is pretty, pretty fucking amazing when you think about just uh, – <laughs> three scrappy young lads from Santa Maria, California yeah. getting just wait till airwaves all the way Marin, in Germany. Wait till <laughs> we post that Marin Deviant art. We're going all the way, baby. Yeah, make sure you uh, <laughs> check out the Marin Deviant art. Uh, thank you for uh, to Kiki uh, for our awesome theme song. Uh, thanks to Adrian for producing and chopping all this up, remixing it. Uh, Noah, thank you for keeping us moving along and all your all your feral insights and uh yeah i'm caleb your host and this has been whacker slaps and as always the eternal question remains what made milwaukee famous Woo! keep those eyes adrift and hit the music baby <laughs> <laughs> bye